You're listening to Entrepreneur Blocks. I mean, coding entrepreneur. I mean, coding blocks of code, episode 158. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcasts. Uh, we're there. And uh, if you haven't already, you can leave us a review if you can, if they allow for it, maybe, or at least a thumbs up or a plus. I don't know. Figure it out, maybe, uh, if you can. And if you can't, we appreciate that you tried. Well, uh, you're in luck because we got uh, show notes, links, examples, discussion, and more at the website, codingblocks.net. And you can send feedback, questions, and rants to, uh, I don't know, Twitter. <laughs> and you can Just follow randomly, us on Twitter. anywhere on Twitter. That's right. Anywhere on Twitter. It doesn't matter. But if you want to get to us directly on Twitter, you can go to at CodingBlocks or head to our website, www.codingblocks.net, and find all our social links there at the top of the page. And Outlaw did a great impression of an entrepreneur with Scatterbrain. I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Alan Underwood. (laughs) I'm Joe Me the Money Zach. (laughs) Joe Me Me the the Money. money. Is that what you said? Me the Money? Joe Joe Me me the the Money. money. Okay. Joe Me the Money. Okay. Well, uh, I don't have anything that clever, so I guess I'm just Michael. (laughs) Outlaw. I'm Michael Nothing Clever Outlaw. There we go. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, the monitoring and security platform for end-to-end visibility into your Java applications. And Linode, simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. All right. So as um, I think they kind of said, this show is going to be about, hey, how to make some cash on the side as a developer. But before we get into that entrepreneurial biz, uh, we like to thank those that have taken the time to go and write us a review. So who wants to kick us off? I got this. A priest rabbit walk into blood bank. <laughs> Sock puppet. Sophist says rogues pug doke dev and Dan 11 all right, and thank you also very much to Aiden for the review on Audible. Appreciate that. Excellent. Do, we don't have any other news this week, huh? Nope. What's up with that? No, new, no good news is good good news. <laughs> and there'll be a short episode this time. Oh. Oh. So what are we talking about this time? Uh, we're, we're talking about make money with code because you, listener, are a coder. If you're listening to the show, you're a coder. Uh, and it, if you're not already, you're soon going to be a coder. So, uh, hang in there. Uh, and, uh, just want to kind of, kind of hit up a couple of highlights. We're talking about stuff that, um, is good to have for kind of anybody. It's not bad to have a side hustle. It's not a bad idea to know how you can kind of make money and have ideas for, for getting stuff. And it's always better to get that stuff going before you're desperate for cash. Wait a minute. I would say that it's not only not bad to have a side hustle, but, I, it kind of feels like in this day and age, like you just really need to like, for some reason, would you not, would you like, even if it was just like to grow yourself, to build, you know, to, to better your craft, like you need to have some reason to like do things on the side. And sometimes that side hustle is like a good enough reason. And it doesn't have to be anything big. There's pressure for sure to like, to do that. But I don't know. I kind of, I feel like you shouldn't have to, but then also I feel like I have to, and then what I else have yeah. to, but I mean, I definitely, <laughs> definitely need to, cause I need the help. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it helps more. you You grow from it. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Alan. No, it's, it's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence. 
I think that if you have a desire to have a side hustle, either to make money or to improve the world in some way or, or whatever, then do it because it will benefit you, especially if you're doing dev type tasks, right? You'll, you'll learn some stuff as you go and try and create that stuff. So I don't, I don't see it as absolutely necessary, but if you have any itch at all, then why not? Right? Like why not spend a little bit of time trying to do it? And maybe you'll learn something too. Yeah, right? totally. Learn something, maybe make some money. Maybe uh, your life will change because of it or you know, maybe not. Who knows? Well, when I say that a side hustle, like it doesn't even have to be something that you're trying to monetize. It could be just like, you know, maintaining a family website or something. Yeah. You know, totally. it, could, it, it doesn't have to be, it could be as complex as you want it to be or as simple as you want it to be, but something that gives you something away from work to where you can like try new things and new technologies and grow your skill set in ways that like maybe, you know, your work you know, is in a particular tech stack and you don't get to do, or you're siloed to a particular job. You don't get to do. I got to disagree here though, because oh, this yeah. episode is all about making some cash. Oh, so right. yeah. if you're going to stand up a, a family website, they're going to have to subscribe for $5 I mean, a month. Yep, <laughs> put some ads right. on it. That's yeah, Here right. we go. Some affiliate links. That's right. Let's do this. All right. So now we got our heads back in the right space. Yep. I bought your kids crappy living day. Now you got it. You better sub to my family tree or else. That's right. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, side businesses almost always look great at a resume. Like I've never gotten a resume and saw someone had some sort of uh, something on the side and thought, man, that stinks. Uh, they're not going to give me their 80 hours a week. They've got this other thing that they're doing as a hobby or uh, whatever. So it's never, um, it's never offended me, but I could see situations or companies where it could be a problem. It it definitely can be. And we've known people that have left to, to focus on, on side businesses, right? When a side business grows to a point to where it can be the primary business, then it'll happen. But, but as a company, you have to know and you have – people aren't lifers much anymore at companies, right? So I think what you do is you try and get the best out of somebody while they're willing to be there. And as long as that person's giving you the best that they got, then the side business shouldn't be a distraction for you as a company, as, as long as it's not taken away from their productivity. Yeah, I, I guess I could see, like, if someone uh, doesn't hire you because they see you've got a side business and they're they're worried that maybe one day you'll quit for that side business, like, that's the terrible company to work for. Anyway. That, that company Agreed. doesn't want your time. They want your soul. Agreed. Like, that's, not, that's not how work works, right? Agreed. So, yeah. So I want to hit that. Also, there's a couple of side businesses you can imagine where you may not necessarily want to have that on your resume if it's uh, working in like a, I don't know, taboo industry or something. Uh, and, you know, maybe maybe keep that a little quiet or something depending on what you're applying for. Um, or if you're, uh, I don't know, I don't know, doing something awful, international intrigue, <laughs> mystery, don't go apply for the NSA or whatever. Right. Um yeah, so just want to mention, you know, if you're worried about having that stuff on your resume, then you got to kind of question like who you're interviewing for and what you think they expect from you. Yeah, one other thing that we didn't have in the notes here too, though, is a lot of companies now, if you are doing something on the side, they'll make you sign something that says that anything you create while you're there is, you know, part of their proprietary information. So. You need to make sure if you are doing a side gig or some sort of hustle that you that you got going, when you sign up, you need to at least put in the documentation when you sign that paperwork for that company that, hey, I have this thing that I'm doing on the side and it's mine, right? I'm not stealing any company information, but this is my existing stuff. So just be aware of that. 
Yeah, because nothing would be worse than if you created something really cool and then they come back and say, like, oh, but that's ours. We own it. Yep. Uh, you can't you can't collect any money for it. No royalties. And, oh, by the way, we don't owe you anything for it either. Right. You you remember we actually had to sign for coding blocks whenever we were doing stuff like that. Like, the three of us had to say, hey, no, we have this existing thing. You can't have it. <laughs> you know? I don't want anybody taking credit for these audio files yeah. that we've That's created. right, man. Eight years of audio now, isn't it? Eight? Yeah, yeah, we're in our eighth year. Yeah. Can That's you imagine? Crazy talk. Well, it's much easier to say, hey, I've got a business already. So, you know, here it is than it is to say, like, hey, I'm thinking about starting one. You just got to say right. it's okay. You know? Right. Yeah. So that's another reason for kind of starting it early. So you got that great idea. Get it going. Hey, uh, hey, boss, I need to take off um, for a couple of weeks and uh, I want to start a new business. So, uh, yeah, it's on the side. It's my own thing. If you wouldn't mind just signing off on it. Oh, by the way, I, I'm going to be on Shark Tank in a week. So <laughs> uh, if you see me on TV. Isn't it kind of funny that there is a stigma and the kind of was like, you're taking a week off to work on your side business? Like, what the heck? But uh, someone else takes a you know a week off to spend with family or you know go on vacation or something that's right. like seems fine. But it, it's just kind of funny that we think about that. I don't know if that I don't know what that is, but I don't know why that's a bad thing. Like if you take a week off to work with your house, work at your house because you want to sell it and make some money. Like no one bats an eye, right? But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, there's a stigma. Yeah, it's not right. Yeah. But uh, broke it down to two major kinds of uh, ways to make money with code. And uh, the first, we'll probably won't spend as much time in. Uh, it's uh, basically what we're talking about is active income versus passive income. So when I say active income, I mean you are literally exchanging time for money. So you do an hour worth of work and you get like a, an hour's wage essentially for it. Uh, and uh, so, you know, salary, it, it kind of counts there, even though it's a little bit fuzzy. Because, you know, you get paid no matter how much time you put in. So there's definitely some kind of fuzzy stuff there. So you kind of have to just take those definitions with a, a grain of salt. Um, like fixed big contracting. If you say, I'll charge you $12,000 and I'll build you, build you a website. That's still considered active because you're essentially trading a service for money directly. Um, drop shipping. I always kind of wonder if uh, if this is really considered active or passive. But if you're going out there and kind of selling something that's local to you. And then when people buy it, you go out and buy it, that item and then ship it to them or you have it. Um, that's uh, not drop shipping. Your drop shipping is if you order it from another company and sell it, you know, you are still kind of performing in action kind of per transaction there. So I consider that to be active. But drop, oh, wait, hold on. Drop shipping. I thought was like, I'm going to have an Amazon store and I'm selling yeah. you like a widget but I'm never really receiving or touching that widget. Instead, I'm just having another company ship it to you. And that right. can't yeah. be automated. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. And what I, um, what I did, I got mixed up there with, um, like with fulfillment, fulfillment. Yeah. So oh. yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. So I totally gave the wrong definition and did bad. And I got confused. Um, I read that book. Um, what was it? Um, buying happiness from, from Tony, I forget his last name, uh, Zappos person. Um, oh. and one of the things they did early on is, uh, they would take photos of shoes at like malls and put them up on the website. And if someone would buy the shoe, they'd have to like rush down to the mall and go buy it and, you know, go find it. If it wasn't available from, you know, Amazon or whatever, they'd have to go back to these things and source them in order to kind of ship them. <laughs> and so that's where I was kind of coming from that mindset of considering it active, but you're absolutely right. Like if you're doing drop shipping and you are involved in every transaction, uh, then <laughs> you should, you should code something for that. I mean, like this show would be a good example of like active, you know, 
it takes effort on our part. This takes active fuzzy. effort part on our part. Whether or not you would call it coding, though, we'll, we'll yeah. get back. I mean, to it's that called coding box, but you know, we'll get back to that because I think that it belongs in the passive. Um, but we can, no we can, yeah, we okay, can look at those points here in a little Let's while. Come on, I got yeah, to go get my gloves. I'll be right back. And, and we'll but but we got to get into the passive before we do that. Okay. Yep. So we got some stuff to blast through here. Uh, grants. So uh, I looked up the definition of grant, and uh, the, the most of the definitions I saw referred specifically to government grants, where you would like apply for like a military contract or something. But there are actually a, t- a lot of really small grants for things like uh, astrophysics. Like some company wants a study done on this or that, so you can go after it. Um, open source projects. So a lot of open source projects now are actually finding ways to give money to people. So what you can do is say like, "Hey, I've got an idea." Uh, and I think it works well with Microsoft products. So I'm going to go apply for, it's almost like a scholarship, like apply from a, a, for a grant from Microsoft and they'll fund me to work on my project for a little bit. So if you're a coder out of work or you're looking for something to do, it might be worth Googling around the things that you work with and things that you're interested in, in those spaces and looking specifically for the word grant to see if anyone's out there with money just to give you <laughs> to work yeah. on the thing. That's, like, that's cool. pretty cool. And so I've got a website here that I found um, that links to a couple of the different things. Uh, for how to find grants, but actually just Googling how to find grants is its own thing. And depending on your domain, it can be very different. So like if you're in academia or you're in the healthcare industry, or you're in the you know military, very different ways of finding those grants and how you would apply the whole thing is very different. So it's, you really got to kind of hone in on what you want there. So it's pretty cool though. Uh, startup. So I wanted to mention uh, working for equity. That's one where it's another case where you aren't getting paid per hour necessarily, or maybe you've got some sort of mix where you get paid some sort of smaller wage with the idea also that you're working for like private stock or something. And if the company gets bought or someone wants to buy those shares or the punk company goes public, then you get to trade those in for value. So those I still consider active, although it's, it's all debatable. So, you like, know, on, on that one, you do want to be careful because I think a lot of people don't know this. If you're in on the ground floor, that's probably really good, right? Like if, if it's a good idea and and you think that it could blow up and make some money, but just know as companies start taking on investments, right? Like a, a series A fund and then a series B funding and a C and a D and an E, your shares get diluted over time, right? So um, just be careful about that. Just know that if you are going to work for equity, that you understand kind of what the stakes are as you go in. And if people are starting to look for more investing, then you probably want to negotiate getting a, a chunk of those as new uh, series of funding come in. So just, you know, be aware of that. I think I'd be good for that. Cause I understand the stakes. There's like the prime rib and there's the <laughs> New York strip and there's the filet. I would, I would do good with that. Right. I think. Hey, uh, all right. Well, if you, if you truly do know which is better select choice or prime and like in the, in the proper order. Okay. Ooh. I didn't realize this was going to be a test from Costco. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I'm going to say select choice maybe. And then, uh, like prime would obviously be the first one. And then, you know, it would be select choice. <laughs> select choice is an and option. It's two options. That's what I said. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I don't play, get play is the answer worse. there, by the way. You did what? Flay is the answer. Uh, <laughs> Flay is the right one. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, I guess uh, yeah, I so. failed my, my uh, Costco test. So yeah. Yeah, man. It was embarrassing. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to go to Sam's Choice to uh, Sam's Club now. Uh, uh, okay. Sorry, totally regional jokes. Uh, so how to find uh, active income uh, if you're looking for it. So job websites, obviously Stack Overflow Careers, Indeed. Um, one thing that's really nice is if, uh, you know, I mentioned Microsoft earlier, if you want to work for a company, like go look at their website. If they're a large company, you know, then that's a great way to do it. More companies are hiring remote now than ever before. That's a great way to do it. Oh man. I was totally like, I totally misunderstood where you were going with this then. Cause like this whole section, I thought we were talking about like active income as it relates to like side hustle type stuff, like purely side hustle. And that's why like I equated, you know, I brought up this as an example, like, uh, but you're talking about like, it could be your main job. Like that's what you do a hundred percent of it. You know, you spend a hundred percent of your time working for the man. I'm so talking about think, all of it, all of the above. Yeah. yeah okay. I think, I think we should back up to the statement you made then, because it's, it's something that you hear a lot on, on income podcasts and things. When you talk about trading hours for dollars, that literally means you only get paid while you're quote unquote in the office, right? So that's, that's what he meant by that. That's what active income is. You only earn if you're spending time trying to earn at that point, right? Like, so, so for us as coders, if, if you're in the office eight hours a day, you're only going to get paid because you're in that office eight hours a day, right? If you stop going to that office eight hours a day, you no longer get a paycheck, right? So that's active income. And that's why that term trading your hours for dollars is there because as soon as you stop putting those hours in, you stop getting anything from it. And that's why when you said, Oh, our podcast is active income, it's actually passive, right? We spend time making the podcast, but because we have done that, we get sponsors, we get other things, right? That, I mean, if we never, if we never do another episode, we may still get some earnings from Amazon or we may still get some earnings from other ones. So that that's the active versus passive. Yep. And we'll talk about all the different ways that like the show can make money or like if you want to start a podcast or a blog or whatever, we'll, we'll get to all that stuff in the passive income section. But yeah. And um, this episode is not really targeted towards a specific like side hustle or not side hustle. I literally just spent it for kind of making money, but the passive stuff for sure is a, a big emphasis on stuff you could do on the side. But if you are also out of work, in between jobs, trying to get your first job, this is a great way to make make some money. And um, we'll have some links spread sprinkled throughout. And also, any of these things you, that we talk about, you can just Google for. And somebody on Reddit will have the exact conversation <laughs> based on whatever exact phrase you entered, and you'll find out exactly how that went for them. And you'll see the entire range of you know comments and stuff that they got. Everything is um, on Reddit. That's what I just learned. It is. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, Reddit is so massive for how people talk to each other. It's crazy and so searchable. Oh, here's a thought, random thought off off topic. Here's a tangent. This is the first one of the night. <laughs> uh, so, I promise to be the only one. But you know how like there is like for there was a, a group of people where like they grew up to where like Google was the thing, right? Like that was their quote internet. Like they would go to Google and they would Google everything. They would Google Google, right? Like whatever. And then and then there was another group of people where it became Facebook and Facebook was the thing that they would like, they wanted to learn something they would go to Facebook and they would do a search and they would, you know, they would go to Facebook to search Google, <laughs> you know, right. Right. And now I bet there's a group that's coming up where like Reddit is their thing. They, they want to know something. They go to Reddit and they, they Google Reddit on Reddit. Yeah, I'm sure. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I for mean, reviews, th- product reviews, like no way. I don't trust Amazon reviews at all anymore. Like, I 100% go to like Reddit or something like that for stuff right. like that. Oh man, I ain't even thought about going to Reddit for product reviews. Yeah, it's so much better. That I mean, should have been a, tip of the week a right mixed there. bag. I yeah, I was going to say, mixed bag. you're going to find some nasty write-ups, right? Because people on Reddit seem to be like the, uh, I don't know, a lot of times they're just not as friendly <laughs> as other places on the internet, right? But I mean, yeah. I have read like some some review-related things that were, you know, like detailed and honest, you know, like, like uh, okay, so a little bit behind the scenes we all have now our new toys that you've heard us use on, you know, a couple of the episodes. Uh, I'm trying to like get to a thing here, but you know, you've heard things like, Go! you know, uh, and that's, that's, you know, our new toy, our new roadcaster, uh, yeah. Roadcaster pros that we got. And, you know, there were reviews that we read on Reddit that were like for uh, the road and then the zoom P eight and, you know, like a lot of in depth, like really good details as like why you would want to look at like, uh, you know, one versus the other and like where one excelled versus the other and, and things like that. So, but, but I hadn't thought about it for like, Hey, just general things like, Oh, which one of these two cereals should I buy? I don't want to trust the Amazon reviews. I'm going to go to Reddit. Totally. He just changed his homepage. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. It's obviously the fruit loops. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So Reddit works out really well for stuff like that. Um, so kind of getting back to track, we're talking about how to find active income, uh, contracting. So if you are independent completely, you just want to go do your own thing, then you can make a website for your, uh, aunt's business or something like that, or your neighbor or people in your community. You can go out and like go door to door and say, who wants a website? Who wants a website? I think that sort of thing worked a little better, you know, a couple of years ago when like things were kind of newer and you could go to restaurants and stuff. I remember I could be, we go to like restaurants and say like, Hey, you need a website with a menu? Like we could bang that out in no time. We we're done, we've done that before. And, and, and just a heads up talking about the, so this is active income, but talking about the side hustle versus primary contracting is a perfect example of something that you can do as either or both, right? You could have your main day job. That's an eight hour gig. And then you might have something where you twilight doing two to three hours a week or two to three hours a night working on a side thing contracted at, a, at an hourly rate, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, Upwork is like uh, a huge player in this space now. So I know I actually know some people that are doing some stuff on Upwork on full time or on uh, on side and talking about going full time. Uh, I should catch back up with them and see if they, they went there. But it's a site where basically you can see work that people are looking for done. You can kind of bid on it. There's reputations involved and stuff. You can review people. Uh, and so it's a, a really nice way to find work um, once you get started. So you have to get that ball rolling. So, you know, you got to kind of do a couple jobs that, um, you know, for whatever you need to do to kind of get those first couple on your quote unquote resume. But that's a great way to, to start making some money. Um, you know, if you're, if you're out of work or looking to get started or just maybe want to start doing this full time or, you know, whatever you, whatever you need to do, save up for that RV and uh, Upwork is a, a great way to do that. Uh, working through an agency. So this is where you would, uh, like, you'll see a job posting or something, you'll apply for it, and you'll end up talking to someone who doesn't work for the company, like someone from, like, a Red Hat or a, not Red Hat, uh, Robert Half or uh, some other company um, that they're trying to essentially outsource for. And so a lot of times you'll get, like, healthcare benefits and stuff through this agency. So you'll be contracting maybe for six months to hire or something like that. But you'll actually be working uh, for more for the agency. So it's kind of, um, there's some nuances there and lots of different ways that can go. But it's kind of interesting. As, yeah. as a, go ahead. 
I was going to say like it, it can work out. That can be, uh, I've seen that work in a couple of different ways to where like that, that agency can hire you full time and then they're just contracting you out to the, to the other companies or uh, you know, you are strictly um, like they are just a middleman between you and the other company. And then other times where like they just do the introduction. And then once you have the contract in place, you they're gone. You never hear from them again. Yep. Or there's other times where like you just, they might just always like, you might always be a free agent that they're just always, uh, you know, setting up contracts for, uh, you know, either getting a recurring work at the same, at the same place, or maybe they bounce you around from other places, but you were still like your own company, your own entity in that case. And, um, you know, you're, you're sometimes it's weird. Cause sometimes you might be billing them sometimes you, you know, and then they, they get paid from the other company or sometimes you bill directly to the company. Cause you know, a lot of times they're getting, you know, a, a, a margin on top of you. So it can, yep. yeah, it's weird. Hey, one, one thing that we kind of glossed over you had in the show notes here is if you're doing contracting as an independent, then a lot of times you'll probably want to start up an LLC. Um, it, it, here in the United States, for sure, that's one of the popular ways to do it. And there's tons of reasons for it. We're not going to go into all the, the tax and, and, you know, legal reasons why you'll do it, but it's something you should consider. If you are going to do work and you're going to be working for other people, you know, it's nice to have a layer of protection. Um, so you might, you might look into that. I think uh, LegalZoom or some of those, I don't know if they still yep. exist. You can usually pay a hundred bucks to, to set that thing up. So just be aware that, you know, you probably don't want to just be doing it directly to your social security number. Yeah. And, and I was, I, I did want to call out on that one that, you know, like you said, that might vary by country, like what the proper uh, thing would be, you know? So here in the U.S., it would be LLC, which would stand for Limited Liability Corporation or Limited Liability Company, your choice. But Yep. Yeah, and uh, so the next thing I have on here is poorly named, so I'm going to go ahead and edit that a little, uh, real quick. But um, one thing I knew, uh, I knew somebody who would um, who would buy stuff from um, like something like Alibaba. They'd order uh, a bunch of uh, hose handles or something, and they'd buy them for a dollar a piece, and they'd go put them up on Amazon for $3 a piece. And then they go, they go ship them out, right? Eventually, they move to fulfillment by Amazon. Uh, so in that second case, they ended up moving to passive income. So I've got this in a bad category, but just wanted to kind of mention that, like, maybe you've got a neighbor who likes uh, carving tiki heads out of uh, coconuts. You can go over there and say, "Hey, let me sell you your uh, your coconuts on uh, Etsy, and I will charge you seven dollars per coconut, and you'll get twenty dollars, or you know, whatever it is. Uh, you can work that out. But that's a that's a way of making money. And that's not so much with your tech skills, you know. But I just kind of want to throw out there is it's something that you can do. And a lot of the, that work that you're going to be doing isn't so much just the listing, but also some of the marketing and stuff. And there's a lot of stuff you can do with like programming and kind of um, interfacing with the APIs around that. And so I just want to call out that that's why I'm kind of talking about that at all is because it does have a tech angle that can you can use your skills to get a huge leg up on your competition. And and I don't know that you called it out because you were changing the the verbiage behind the scenes there because you had uh, drop shipping in there. But what he's talking about, the reason why this would be active is you know, like those, those hoses that you were talking about that your friend have, he'd basically have a garage full of those things. And anytime somebody would order one, he would have to go pack it up, label it, you know, put postage on it and then go put it in the mail. Right. So that's why that's active income because you only get paid if you do that legwork. 
Yeah, that stinks. I don't like that. <laughs> and uh, so, like I mentioned, uh, the grants too are out there. So we got a, a couple links there. Um, there's a lot of stuff for uh, art grants too, uh, particularly uh, stuff involving COVID. You like I, uh, I've got a, a this is US specific, but grants.gov. You can go out there and see like there are uh, people doing grants for podcasts even like quite a bit. Like uh, there's even people looking out there to invest in podcasts, which is pretty interesting. Well, now you tell up, us. Uh, so yeah. I guess that's yeah, going right? to be our evening. Like, what? Let's, let's we should press that. pause now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally Google podcast grants and like some of them are just like, hey, if you've got a good podcast going and we think it's an interesting topic, we'll invest in you. And other ones are like, hey, if you do a podcast about like healthy living or something or, you know, whatever, talk about our, our products or you talk about something like just from the government angle, like you're spreading information about something that we think needs information out there. They'll pay you some sort of endowment or some sort of, uh, you know, fund or whatever they'll just give you money to go out and make stuff i don't know why though but anytime we talk about the like the government grants and whatnot like i can't help like the movie war dogs keeps like coming to mind have you seen that <laughs> you know what i'm talking about it. like yeah i just i i'm like oh i guess like which one of us is getting arrested like uh so i'm not so jonah Ch- hill now correct me if i'm wrong here though there's a really important thing to think about in terms of grants versus investors Grants are just money you get. Like there's, yes. as long as you are meeting the requirements of whatever that grant re- says that you need to do, right? Like, hey, you need to talk about um, environmental um, safety or something, right? As long as you're doing that, the money's yours. There's no ownership in your company. It's just here's some cash. Go go tell the world, make the world a better place. As opposed to if you go get investment money. Typically, there's an ownership of your company that's involved in that kind of stuff. So grants are, they might not be as easy to get sometimes, but it's sort of just free and clear money to to do what you're trying to do. It's basically the the government's way of investing in its people and itself and its its own economy. So it's like, right. hey, I, if you have something in this p- space, we're willing to give you some money to go explore that idea. Like, I would bet right now a hot topic would be anything clean energy related. Yeah. Totally. I would, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like, you know, a billion different things out there for that. In a billion different dollars. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It would be weird. If it was the same billion dollars. Some of them could be pretty healthy. So uh, I just hope scrolling through a couple here, uh, grants to Nebraska nonprofits. Uh, so you have to have a nonprofit in, uh, in Nebraska that uh, addresses unmet needs and emerging issues. There's 5,000 bucks for you. Uh, go start a business. Uh, grants to California and Oregon nonprofits uh, for seasonal programming for uh, local youth in remote areas. Grants to Virginia congregations and uh, for historical preservation projects. $25,000 for that one. So if you got a couple months between jobs or something and you're interested in historical preservation and you live in Virginia, you should look at this up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's just cool. It's, there's interesting stuff there. So it's something nice to kind of scroll through before you go to bed. And maybe, maybe you'll see something that changes your life. All right, well, I'm going to quit coding blocks now. And, um, <laughs> nice seeing you guys. No, just kidding. Did, did you find a podcast grant for only two people? Come on, man. That's not fair. <laughs> well, this is awkward. Uh, <laughs> uh, there, that's quite a bit. Like, yeah, we may well have an investor uh, coming up. Who knows? But uh, so of all the, the active kinds of income, uh, I have a strong preference for just full-time work. I don't like contracting. I don't like mailing things. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what you what y'all think. Hmm. I, I don't I don't know, man. For me, like I God, do I even say this on a public episode? 
<laughs> of, of the active, of the active, of the incomes, active. Which do you prefer? Uh, of the actives, I think. I think. Man, I, I don't know. I, I'd say I'd say probably the job thing because that's what I do. But I wouldn't mind doing the shipping thing, right? Like if I could have like a, a little hustle to where you know there's no ceiling. That, that to, yeah. to me, that's the big difference, right? A job has a ceiling, huh? right? Uh, a hustle doesn't. Like even contracting is not that attractive because, okay, so let's say that you make 400 bucks an hour. Like there's only 24 hours in a day. How many of those can you realistically work? 24. If it's, if it's shipping now, that's a little bit different, right? Like how many of these widgets could I ship out in a day? I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. Give me a bunch of them and let me see. So I, I don't know. It's tough. I like having no ceiling is what I like. Yep. Uh, it's risky. Uh, you know, if you have a shipment that goes bad or something, well, especially once you get started and once you get more items, it's not so bad, but then you're doing a lot more work. You're having employees. And now it's like, did wait, I wanted to be a coder, not a manager of, uh, right. you know, people shipping stuff. Well, it's like real estate, right? Like people want to get into the rental state rental business because you get tax benefits and all this other kind of stuff. But as soon as an air conditioner unit goes out, you got to deal with that and you can't yeah. deal with it on your own time. Right? Like if, if, if you're, um, uh, what is it? A tenant? Yeah. If your tenant, is sitting in 95 degree weather and like, yo, the AC's broke. You better jump on it. Right. So there's headaches that come with it, but there's the payoff too. So I, you know, I don't know. Nothing's perfect. I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about you outlaw? I, I mean, if, uh, I kind of like, I kind of like agree with a lot of the things that Alan said. I mean, like historically, yeah, I've definitely, you know, worked for, uh, you know, someone, but I, I do love the idea, I guess, but I always think of it more as a side hustle more than like a primary job. Like, you know, cause I always think about it as like multiple streams of income. Like I, I, that's, yeah. that's the dream for me is to not like rely on any one stream, right? Like I don't want a river. I want like a billion streams. Right. Right. And, and, um, like, like I had a few friends that had that, that they had spun off this store, this, you know, uh, e-commerce store and they were, you know, sh uh, shipping and selling, uh, you know, radio controlled, you know, related things, you know, and they were making a killing with it. And I was like, that's to me, that was like the absolute dream, like to have your day job and that, you know, I was like, that's pretty awesome, man. Cause they, you know, it wasn't like it was a huge effort on their part, but yet they were making, you know, some serious money. And I know like, you know, that sounds awful to have to like actually package and do the shipping part, but yeah, you know, whatever. That's what kids are for. So, yeah. yeah. So you said yours was a job, right? Yeah. I mean, I like it. It's, um, you know, definitely a uh, capsule. Absolutely. Uh, and you're working for your time. Uh, you know, originally I went and, uh, I started to kind of grade these as being like, how much uh, time does it take and what's the, the potential return? And so like a startup, for example, would have way more potential return than like a, a large company. But it was just so hard because every little category, like even saying a, a, a 401, not 401, uh, just a regular job, basically 40 hour a week, like depending on the kind of job, like the, those scales can be very different, you know, working for different kinds of companies. So, you know, it's, it's tough to say, but yeah, I just like, I like the lower risk and I like the reliable income. Now, uh, and I like the nest, I like the nuzzle in there. This is of the active income active types, income. right? Like we haven't, 
talked about the passives because I'm sure that like there's somebody who's listening is like, what, why on earth would you want to like have to ship things? You know? So yep. I get that. But I we'll mean, you know, think about, think about like how, uh, Bezos started, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that just was shipping books, you know? Well, and now look at the empire that it is now. Yeah. He even brought up Zappos. Zappos, right. same thing. They were taking pictures of shoes in the store that they didn't even have. And then they'd run in there and buy them and ship them. And Zappos got bought for a pretty penny from Amazon, right? Like they did okay. So, buy Amazon, um, not from. Say what? Buy Amazon, not from yeah, Amazon. Buy, they got bought by Amazon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, those are the crappy half of the show. But stay, <laughs> stay, stay awake for the rest of it. We start talking about the good stuff after the fold. This episode of Coding Blocks is sponsored by Datadog, the monitoring and security platform for end-to-end visibility into your Java applications. Datadog provides out-of-the-box, customizable dashboards, actionable alerts, distributed tracing, and always-on, low-overhead Java code profiler for your production environment all in one spot. You know what? Datadog has something for everyone. I don't care what your industry is. I don't care what your tech stack is. They have you covered. Do you know they now have over 400 plus integrations? And let me tell you, like when I say that they have something for every uh, industry, like here's one near and dear to, to Jay-Z's heart, gaming, right? They have solutions for gaming and, and you know, Exactly, uh, you know, dashboards that they're using f- to keep, uh, KPIs for in-game, uh, you know, to, to analyze in-game KPIs and business metrics. Um, you know, just in the, in the, the beauty is they like, they share this freely with you. Like, Hey, here's how, here's how you can use our tools to do this. Here's like amazing dashboards that you can create for this particular industry, whatever it is. And, and the fact that, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, we're we're talking Java here in but there's so many other languages that they also cover. It's it's mind blowing. And speaking of integrations, I was just looking at uh, since we're talking about spending money on uh, or making money on this episode, uh, how you could reduce your uh, cloud costs with uh, Datadog. It turns out, what do you know? They've got a bunch of stuff you can do to figure out exactly how much money you're spending and how much money you're wasting, and uh, look at like you know usage and quotas, things like that. Uh, do you know that actually, uh, they have some stuff built into the Azure portal now. So if you've got a data dog account, you could actually get to it via your Azure portal. And I'm just scrolling through screens. Look at that. It's really nice. And so it's, uh, of course, they've got stuff for the other cloud providers too, but, uh, it's a great way to save a lot of money. And it's a great way to get data dog into your org when you can show them just how much money you can make with that free trial. And, so, you know, I don't even mean to like take away from what you said a moment ago though, Jay-Z with like, you know, a Java, they now have a Java code profiler that, you know, for your production environment, like they're getting into profiling your code. Like it's like their ability to monitor your tech stack knows no bounds. I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you, they've got you covered. So with support for over 400 plus technologies and automatic instrumentation for popular frameworks, you can start monitoring your Java applications alongside the rest of your stack literally in minutes. Yeah. So I wouldn't wait, go ahead and start your free data dog trial today. And, and you can monitor in real time. Listeners of this podcast will receive a free t-shirt. Once you install the agent and create at least one dashboard. 
And uh, you can get there, get that free t-shirt by going to datadoghq.com slash coding blocks. Datadoghq.com slash coding blocks. Boom. All right. Well, like I said at the uh, the start of the show, that was like really smooth intro. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a review, if you haven't already. Um, if you have, hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A billion times thank you. Um, and if you haven't, those that have can tell you, like there are some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. Um, or, you know, if it doesn't cover your podcast platform of choice, you know, wherever you happen to listen, we would appreciate if uh, you took the time. You know, it would be it would be your way of buying us a beer or a coffee or whatever your drink of choice is, you know. So, uh, yeah. And with that, I guess I'll ask, you know, like we've all you've all heard like uh, why was six afraid of seven? You've heard of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, because seven, eight, nine. But why did seven eat nine? Something in the squared, three squared, or something. You, you told this one on episode sixty-seven. <laughs> nice try, Joe. Nice try. Because he needed three square meals a day. See, <laughs> hey, I was close. You, you were have told this one. You were. But can you answer this one? Why did four run and hide? Don't know because he was too squared. He was too squared. Okay, I think you did that last time too. Episode sixty-seven. Nice try. So that was from uh, Phil, Aaron, and Graham for that uh, combination of jokes. There, thank you. Nice. Um, So let's see. Back in uh, a few episodes ago, we asked when you start a new project in regards to the storage technology. Do you? And your choices were go with what you know. It's not even a debate or try something new. Might as well learn something or seriously consider the options. Deliberate, debate, try not to hate or storage. You're funny. (laughs) All right. This is what episode 158. So Joe, you are on deck. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, I guess technically you'd be at bat, and Alan, you're on deck. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. See, I got. I finally got a sports, sports ball. ball thing right. <laughs> yeah. Great. Now hurry up and let's get a slam giddy dunk, up. Joe. You say giddy up with horses. <laughs> oh my god, it hurts. <laughs> I think uh, that's so, the favorite part is the pain uh, that it causes Alan. <laughs> I forget. Oh, do we are trying to win here, or are we trying to be funny? Of course, you're trying uh, to win. What? Okay, Aren't you then. always trying to win? <laughs> so I was going to say, seriously consider the options with 60%. Man, I hope it's that, but I don't believe it. Okay. So I'm going to say they go with what you know. It's not even a debate. You know, SQL Server, all the things. Um, and I'm going to go with 40%. 40%. Okay, so Joe picks seriously consider the options 60%. And pessimistic Alan goes with go with what you know at 40%. And you both kind of lost, but Alan kind of won. Whoa. Uh, how's that? All right. Um, well, that's true. So, so seriously consider the options was the winner, was the Ooh. top choice. Okay. But Joe, you way overshot. Way overshot it. Yeah. Okay. It was it was forty four percent of the vote, not okay, okay. sixty. So you were you were seriously optimistic. 
That yeah. makes me happy that that's actually the case. And and the reason why I say pessimistic Allen uh, kind of one is because go with what you know was second at 41%. So because wow. he didn't go over, yep. I'm kind of thinking like, okay, I, I think that's well, not well, only well, did I not go over, I was within 1%. You were within striking distance. Yeah. 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 Except so. you, missed the, you were wrong. You were still wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah Let's wrong. not take that away from him. He, I was, I was right. Yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't win. You were right-ish. You were both right-ish. You know, you were like, you know, in there. That's math for you. Yeah, that's math for you. It's so complicated. If only the we two like, standard deviation somewhere around there. If only somebody understood it. You're right. Uh, yeah. So, how about? Um, do you do you want another survey or do you want a joke before we before we move on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like the way you treat your multiple choice questions. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so I'll give you two because because uh, you know that that being a storage related one. Here's a storage related joke. Three SQL databases walk into a NoSQL bar. A little while later, they walk out because they couldn't find a table. All right, it, 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 and and I said I would give you a couple. So here's here's the other one. Which Python library is the most condescending? I don't. I don't know. No, really, you don't know? Panda. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so that's Phil and uh, Joe Recursion Joe. Thank you. All right, so for today's or this episode survey, we ask, since we're talking about, you know, income, way to, ways to make code with, or make code with money, and also to make money with code, uh, we, we ask, do you want to run your own business? And your choices are, heck yeah, Shark Tank, here I come. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Something like that. Although the way you do it, it sounds more like a Sir Mix-a-Lot song, but yeah. <laughs> i like big okay uh or second choice back to the question at hand uh i don't know that sounds like a lot of work or i already do and the boss is a real jerk this this should be a fun one yeah this episode is sponsored by Linode. You can simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. Develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Whether you're developing a personal project or working or, or managing larger workloads, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions. Get started on Linode today with a $100 Free credit for the listeners of Coding Box, right? Like $100. You could put that to use right now. You could sign up, put it to use. Go to linode.com slash Coding Box where you can find out all the details. And when I say you could put it to use, I'm talking about like, hey, you want to learn Kubernetes? Go go spin up a Kubernetes cluster. Knock yourself out. Have fun with it. Learn how to use it. Or maybe you already mastered Kubernetes and you just have some grand idea that you want to build up and test out or whatever your reasons, hundred dollars in free credit, linode.com slash coding box. You can go there. Uh, 
everything that you would want from your hosting provider, you know, uh, in a cloud, a cloud hosting provider, they have you covered and best. They have data centers around the world with the same simple and consistent pricing, regardless of location. So no matter where you're hearing my voice, lindo.com slash coding blocks, go get your hundred dollars free credit. Start your environment today. So I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but uh, I I got a hundred dollars in free credit using the using the link, and uh, I've used it all because I kept creating uh, Kubernetes clusters just for this or that because it was so simple to do. And you literally click a few buttons, you create a cluster, you you pick your nodes, you pick your regions, and then it gives you what to basically add to your cube config. And so I've done that. I don't even, I can't even tell you how many clusters I've created just because I wanted to test something out and I didn't want to deal with my local machine because it was that easy and that fast to set up. And, uh, yeah, so now I'm paying them, uh, <laughs> a little bit of money here and there whenever I end up spinning something up, uh, for whatever reason. I've got a little stealth project I've been working on and it's just, it's just dead simple and I love it. And I love that I can just in a few minutes have something up and running and then shut it right down and delete it and then spin it back up whatever I want to just uh, applying those files. So it's been, it's been really great. Yeah. And, and to take it even further, I know we've talked about Kubernetes and, and whatnot, but they have, they have all kinds of features, right? Like you can start up Linode instances and, and run Ubuntu. You can run CentOS. You can do all kinds of things, right? On top of it, they also have a Terraform provider. They've got video specifically for developers. So if you want to go in there and figure things out, they've got content for you to be able to get started and running on their platform without a ton of pain at all, right? Which is not something you can say about a lot of platforms. So definitely worth checking out. So go ahead and choose the data the data center nearest to you. You'll also receive 24-7, 365-day-a-year human support with no tiers or handoffs regardless of your plan size. That's so killer you, too. Yeah, that's amazing. You can't say that about many platforms either nowadays, right? How many times have you had to call support and you got handed out like, you know, okay, you explain, you take the time to troubleshoot and explain what's going on. And then that support representative like, well, I'm at the end of uh, what I can do. Let me right. hand you off to somebody else. Just to do it again after yeah. you explain it you one have to more explain time. explain it right? all over again. Yeah, yeah. So, Hey, you can choose shared and dedicated compute instances, or you can use your $100 credit in, in S3 compatible object storage. It's up to you. Use it however you want. It, they have managed Kubernetes, Terraform, and more. And if it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. So you can go to linode.com slash coding blocks and click that create free account button to get started. You'll get that $100 credit and uh, get going. All right. So now on to the money section of the show. After the fold, we talk about passive income. And when we say passive income, we're talking about money earned on an investment. That can be any kind of investment. And, uh, you'll, there's, this is one of those terms, like, there's a lot of debate. You'll, like, you will find people on the internet say passive income doesn't exist because all income comes essentially from work. And so it's stupid to say otherwise. But what we're really talking about here is money that you make while you're sleeping. So hey, something man, where you brother. do some work. Well, okay, let, let, let's put money while you're sleeping, but I would say that like, okay, fine. Yeah. You had to do work, but it's a one-time investment of right. that effort, right? That's like, the key. you created, you wrote a book and then you were done. You never had to like touch that book again. And every time it sold a copy, you made some money or you took the time to research what stock you wanted to buy and you bought the stock and then you just reaped the benefits of, you know, you got in on Tesla at the ground 
the ground floor or, you know, ground right. level, or whatever. Yep, absolutely. And so that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. It's much more scalable. So often uh, the sky is a limit in terms of potential income. And so that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons that people are, tend to be much more excited about this kind of work. So when we talk about making money with code, your mind all, almost automatically starts kind of gravitating towards this kind of stuff because this is the kind of stuff that um, it just got a lot of potential upside. We've all heard stories of people who started a website or something or started uh, doing something and made some good money that we would have liked to have and might, we could have done that. Yeah, like, you know, let's uh, let's create an app on our iPhone where you can take pictures and we'll put a sepia tone on it and we'll call it Instagram and sell it for a billion dollars. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They sold for one uh, Instagram sold for one Instagram. Yeah. It's crazy. Pretty right. Good, one billion dollars. Uh, yeah. So some examples here. So stock market, like you, you uh, imagine you did the money, you got that, you did the work, you got that money and then you put it in the stock market. And now you get the dividends. Uh, real estate, another kind of thing where you hang on to a while for, uh, for a while, you sell it. If you're running a software as a service, which uh, has a lot of different kinds of definitions, we can get into that. But uh, basically talking about something where you set something up and people come and they serve themselves. They kind of uh, interact with stuff on uh, behalf of <laughs> your services are acting on behalf of you. Um, ads, donations, affiliate networks, that sort of stuff. Um, and again, just like the other, uh, the other stuff we talked about with active income, some of these things kind of blur the lines. Like uh, Patreon, if we, if we don't have one. But if like Coding Bucks had a Patreon and every month, uh, you know, you did your donation and it was debited from your account and we provided you with, um, you know, uh, behind the scenes content or something that would be kind of blurring the lines because uh, in a way you are kind of paying for something that we've agreed to provide on a schedule. So, it, you know, it's kind of weird. We do it once and it doesn't matter how many people listen to it. So that's where the passive angle comes in. It's like we do one hour of work and it goes out to a thousand people. That's a thousand hours worth of value. That's very different from me doing an hour of work at work and getting paid for one hour. But it's interesting. Uh, and uh, just for fun, I went and looked up uh, just how much people make on uh, Patreon. It's not as much as I expected. Say the highest paid uh, patrons, um, which maybe it should be Patreons. I don't know what you call them. The highest paid people making money on that platform are uh, or are earning six figures. So I think 200,000 was about like the, the kind of average for the top there, which is kind of surprising. I don't know. I kind of figured there'd be somebody out there making a bunch, a bucket. But yeah. so, I mean, I would take six figures. Yeah. Like you, on the side. Yeah, yeah. On the side. That's like, what we're talking that about here. 200,000. What's the time range? Is that monthly, yearly? Uh, annual. And, and to Double be clear. When we were talking about active income, that was, you know, that could either be your day job or your side gig. Typically, when you're talking about the passive income, it's all on the side because you're not working for it all day, right? You might put four hours a day into it, but you're not going to make money based off your four hours. It could scale, like Joe's saying. So, so this stuff, you know, it's, it's all kind of side, side hustle stuff. But the ones that are like really good at that though, that are like making that 200 grand though. I mean, they are like hustlers that they are, yeah, totally. they are constantly going out there. Like those, those are the, you know, the social media influencer type people. They're like constantly out there. Like you see them always pitching whatever it is that they do. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I almost hate to call it passive. Cause it's not like, they aren't constantly working that brand like in promoting their, whatever their brand is to get that type of money out of Patreon. 
to grow it is definitely an active type thing, right? But yep. but the content that they create or the or the things that they do, that stuff can be done or or consumed by somebody 24 hours a day without them being there. And that's really the key, right? Yeah, and I was just looking at some of the people that I knew that are on Patreon. It's not as much as I, I would have thought. Like podcasts, I thought like a no sleep podcast and stuff like that. I thought like they're always uh, pitching, pitching that. Uh, and it's like a hundred, they, they make it 150 bucks a month. Um, ooh. I mean, I guess my point is, is that like, if you're doing passive income, okay, there are things out there that are passive income that <clears throat> you can like do the one time and then, and then reap some rewards that, you know, We'll go, you know, but even if you wrote a book though, like you still have to go and market it and advertise. So you're still going to go like on a tour and everything. Like you're still constantly like working that brand to make that sell and to like get awareness of it. So it's not going to, in the beginning, even the quote passive income, you have to do a lot of promotion until you reach this tipping point to where whatever that brand is becomes big enough to where like, you know, if Stephen King writes a new book, like he doesn't really have to put a lot of effort into pitching it. Right. Right. He just puts Absolutely. it out there and you know, he builds automatically he's yeah. Cause he, he already put the time in, you know, yep. Metallica creates a new album, right? Like, you know, they've already got a following, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the kind of trends. Like if I go, uh, I'm just going to make up numbers here. If I, uh, if I work a 40 hour uh, a week job and I get paid a hundred bucks an hour, I know if I go work, I'm going to make a hundred bucks an hour and it's, you know, it's reliable. It's steady. If I build a software as a service platform and then go out and market it, I might work for a long time without getting a penny. And sure, that thing may eventually turn into the, you know, the next, uh, you know, Amazon or something. But uh, it's a risk that I might do a lot of work for very, very little payment. Yep. So you've got to kind of trust the system there, you know, and that's that's a risk. I mean, I, I think I think when I when I think of passive incomes, what I think of is like things like, um, you know, you you have affiliate links on like your web page, for example, you know, maybe because uh, we we've done that and and you know we've openly said like hey there's gonna be affiliate links you know to the products that are listed on this page you know for like uh you know things on Amazon and so like that's an example of like just a little way that you know uh you know we'll get like hey here's a dollar there's a dollar whatever and that stuff kind of adds up and the same with like you know you put a video out on YouTube and um you know you get some uh ads you know like YouTube advertising um. Uh, you know, dollars here and there, right? We, if you're not like, you know, and even if you did have a Patreon and maybe you're only getting like, you know, uh, $15 a month or whatever, like all of those, but all of those little streams though, that's where it's like truly passive where like you aren't like really marketing and working, you know, that trying to work that brand. But when you do start working that brand, you're truly putting in a lot more effort. And I don't know how much you could call it passive at that point. Yeah. It's a really good point. Uh, you know, we've talked about um, uh, Amazon price tracker, camel, camel, camel before where you can like, say you can go in our item and see the history of the prices. So, you know, if I go buy this item today, am I getting it a higher than normal price or am I getting a good deal on this? And you can actually enter an email address in there and they'll email you when it hits a, like a low 
and then you can go use their affiliate link and buy the item. That's a perfect business of like a, a, a passive, passive income, right. a, a perfect example of that I think of. But I heard an interview with that person on uh, Software Engineering Daily. It's constant work. For many years, the APIs change. They get blocked. They're not able to spider stuff. Notifications aren't going out. They have outages. So it's passive income. Yes. And in, in that they're not trading their, their money, for, their time for money, but it's still a heck of a lot of work. It's not right. something that they just kind of did and now they're sleeping on. Yeah. The money, the money scales, but they didn't, they couldn't quit keeping it going. Right. And that's, yeah. it, that, that's the difference, right? You go to work for a company, you make, you know, let's, like I said, it, it could be a hundred bucks an hour just for easy numbers. That's a decent amount of money, but you write something like camel, 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 where everybody that clicks a link on that thing, you're getting a buck from, you know, you have a hundred thousand people clicking that link. You make a hundred thousand dollars a month, but you know, like you said, the APIs change. Amazon blocks you because they know that you're a bot that's scraping their prices all the time. And so now you got to figure out creative ways to get around it. So it's not like you're getting it for free, but you are making that money while you sleep, right? Like, if you stop working on it, what what could happen is you could stop making any money over time if all the APIs are busted and now your site doesn't really add any value, but it'll take a little bit of time for that to trickle off, right? So it, we're not saying that it, it's it's free after you do it once, but you know it, it, there's no ceiling. It scales. It scales beyond your capability to put in a certain number of hours a day. And um, one of the first examples I ever heard of something like this was a bingo card creator, which is this is a you know an old example now, but uh, at the time they were big on Hacker News. Like the person building it had this idea for business, and they would post about the status and how much they were making, and it went from being their side hustle to their full time job. And this is a, a a website where you can go in and say if you're a teacher or a, a parent, you can go and create custom business. Uh, sorry, not business. Uh, bingo cards, which is like a, a game. Uh, if you're not familiar with people, basically you call it a number or something happens, and you get to mark it on your card. And when you get somebody in a row, you call bingo, and the person wins. And so all this business would do is make it really easy for you to create bingo cards, and you can get them printed out in really nice paper, and they'll ship them to you for like you know, whatever the fee is. So they even have subscriptions and crazy stuff now. But uh, that to me, it sounds like a terrible idea. It would never work. I would never tell anyone to quit their day job. This person just breaks in because they found something that enough people are, were looking for and wanting to do and it worked out really great. And so this is an example of something where once they kind of got it set up and they paid attention to their stats, they paid attention to who was going in and marketing and they noticed that there's seasonal patterns so that they started promoting around Halloween or whatever for these things. And so... Uh, it worked out really well for them. So now presumably they could just quit and sure the money will probably taper off. Some competitors might slip in and kind of get some stuff. Um, but they're probably okay with that <laughs> at this point. If they've been making, uh, you know, maybe millions of dollars a year or whatever it was. Hey, so, um, I need to ask you guys a super important question. How do you pronounce the word that is spelled N I C H E? Niche. Oh, it's, it's niche. What'd you say outlaw? I said niche. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have to, that's perfect. That, that worked out great because I sometimes say it one way or the other, because I think it's actually supposed to be niche, but everybody else is niche. And what you were just describing is somebody found a niche, which was bingo cards. Like <laughs> I would have never thought of it. Like you said, it's a terrible idea. Like who's going to pay for these things? There's a lot of people that play bingo on Wednesday nights or whatever. So this <laughs> they is one of have them cards. This is one of those dumb words that has two pronunciations. So oh, it either, does. 
Yeah. Either. Well, if you ever heard the expression that there are riches in niches, this That's is right. what they're talking about. They say, if you can go after these small little markets that are just untapped, you've got people with their money in hand waiting to spend it. They have nowhere to spend it. If you can find them and put a little bit of effort in, sometimes you can reap some really big rewards. So that gets into discovery, and which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, of to how to kind of figure out if you've tapped into a niche that you think is going to be valuable. And there are ways to kind of figure that out using kind of tools and search engines and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Um, but that's the kind I, of thing we're talking about. The way I heard of it, though, is niches get stitches. Something like that. <laughs> I might have yep. it. I, it's, I might have it a little bit wrong, but I think I'm pretty close. Uh, a little, uh, you might be a word off, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, something like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I uh, wanted to hit on a couple things here. So, you know, we mentioned some categories. So we're going to kind of go through a couple categories here and talk about the different ways that you can make money. Remember, these are all passive things. So this is things that you can, you don't have to ask anyone's permission. You can go off and start right now today setting these things up. And if you're, you know, we work hard, you're smart about it. Theoretically, you can make some money. So if you're in between jobs or if you're just looking for something fun to do or you, you're one of those people that uh, want to start some sort of project but haven't got any ideas, then there's uh, some stuff you can Google kind of help you find that. And I want to mention too, uh, so about those niches and why they say there's riches, uh, riches and niches since it's highly targeted. So uh, an example I like here, and this is not targeted enough, but um, you know, remember that site IP chicken, just a way of like figuring out what your IP address is, or maybe here's a better one. Oh. Jason validator. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, let's go so, back to this IP chicken thing. Like, you didn't just go to Google and say, like, what is your IP address? And it tell you? You didn't used to be able to do that. Oh, you, right? my pre- you can now. Yeah. So that's why it's a te- terrible example. But uh, Jason Validator, something like, you know, nowadays I do it in code. But for a long time, I would do things like, let me validate this JSON or let me validate this uh, XML or something. I would just use an online tool for because it it's just easier to Google. Um, sometimes I generate Google online. I'll just say like UUID, type it in Google, hit the first link, right. click a button, and it'll generate however many, you know, I can just keep clicking and keep getting new, uh, new GUIDs generated. That site has ads all over the place. And those ads are highly targeted towards developers because they know a lot about the audience of people who are trying to generate GUIDs on a website. Mm-hmm. But if you go to, uh, sorry, say what? I was just going to say, like, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt the, the JSON thing. Like we've had that as a tip of the week, like re- related to like JSON beautifier and, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember another one. You mentioned JSON regex tools that are really but, good. Yeah. Um, like if you want to do like practice your regexes without having to worry about doing it in the scope of code and you just want to try some other things on the website, there's tons of really cool developer oriented tools that are online. Um, we, we talked about the Jinja templating re- recently where it was a way to validate your Jinja templates online another great site that somebody threw up and without too much time hopefully and uh they had a bunch of ads up and they're presumably making money even though that project is completely done and they're just at this point they're just dealing with the taxes every year Uh, and those um probably pay very well because those ads that are being shown are very specific to like if you're on a python regex website probably developers probably you know python type stuff training courses or you know maybe uh you know sponsors uh, stuff like that might reach out to them individually and say hey we want to show our ad because we know we've got python people coming to your site <laughs> by the dozens every hour uh, and so that could make a lot more money with say 100 hits per hour than something like a time zone calculator could make with 100,000 hits per hour because the time zone calculator might be people trying to schedule meetings or people trying to set their clock or, 
you know, people who are, you know, doing whatever. It's, it's harder to kind of find a product placement that would fit well with that. And so they might have much lower returns or much lower value uh, dollar uh, when, when people do click. Hey, so real quick before we head on from here. So what we're talking about, what Jay-Z is mentioning here is your site that has your, you create the JSON validator. People start hitting your page and uh, it, it, let's say it's, it's Python, right? Like you, you have a Python validator or something. Like he said, we're talking about the ads that show on the page, whether it be Google AdSense or some other ad provider, you're making money based off CPM clicks per thousand is basically what it is. Right. But, um, or it could just be displays, but let's not forget the other side of that. You can, let's let's say that you're somebody that created a course on Python and you want it to get in front of the most people. You can also be the person buying that ad that would show up on that website on the Python validator so that when people click that, you know, now you're being exposed to a much larger, larger audience of people that may be willing to buy it. Right. So, you know, there's the, there's the getting paid because so many people come to your website and it shows the ad, but you also can think about as a passive income strategy of, Hey, what keywords should I target so that my, my stuff shows up on the sites that people are going to when they're looking at this stuff. Right. So there, there's both angles there. Yeah. And I uh, want to mention too, uh, like the, you can see this a lot. If you start paying attention to the sites that you visit and wh- how they're trying to make their money from you, basically you can tell a lot about the site. So uh, if you've Googled a recipe like rice pudding uh, in the last couple of years, you'll notice Google is ranking recipes higher with really long form content. So you do, you click on this thing and it's like a story about grandma's house in the summer of 1972. And like you have to scroll, scroll, scroll to get all the way down to the recipe, which is like, you know, a small percentage of the traffic. So you can tell based on that, that one content is helping Google find these people and helping them higher in the ranks. But also you can kind of gauge that this website is trying to keep you around. They're trying to keep you in basically, uh, interfacing with that website now compared to something like uh, a comparison website that compares to monitors they don't want to keep you around they want you to show up click whatever ad and go buy right now don't look at anything else don't scroll don't watch the youtube video don't go read reviews somewhere else click that buy link right now they want you out of there so that's a case where um you're probably not going to see a lot of ads because they really want you to focus on going and getting that percentage of that affiliate program uh it's and those recipe sites they'll you'll see they'll do things like they'll cycle out the ads every couple seconds so instead of you seeing um you know four ads for the page when it loaded it's four ads changed out every 10 seconds and so you know if you scroll and read for a long time you're going to see 40 ads and if you do decide to create some of these things, please don't be one of those people that makes you click next to reload a page 20 <laughs> times to get to the end of a 15 sentence yeah. article. Don't do Just that. So they can change the ads out or uh, change yeah. the number of impressions. Yeah. So totally. evil. You, you totally know that's what they're doing. Every time they do that, yeah. it's because they want to count that, you know, eyeball. Yeah. That, because every click is, or every time that page loads, it's one more. So if it's a 20, page article that really should have been one page and two paragraphs long. They now got 20 views on their ads, which is, yeah, I, I basically avoid those sites like the plague. Now, like I will, I will completely mark those off my list. The 15 most important things every developer must know. 
Right. Yeah, Age click, 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 click. No, no. Yep. And you get the seven and it's just to add. And yeah. you really continue. Oh, you know, I see so, the first one and I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, nope. Well, what's funny is um, one thing. And so those are highly correlated with just total trash. Like the article is yeah. probably trapped. The, the, the ads are probably trash. It was probably put together by a bot. You can kind of tell that because because they are trying to get you to flip through as many uh, ads as possible. They're trying to get them in front of your eyeballs. You can kind of surmise that it doesn't have a high click through rate. Right. Because if those ads were actually meeting the needs of the people visiting there, they'd be happy to show you one. You click on it and they'll, they'll make a, like, I mean, a thousand times more from a click than they will from your, just your eyeball seeing it. Like no joke, right. like a thousand is probably a, a good number. You know, they'll get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a cent for you seeing it and they'll get two dollars if you click it. Yep. So by the fact that they're showing you so many and blasting them at you like that, they they know you're not going to click. They are solely relying on your eyeballs, and so they are, know that they're showing you crap ads. Oh yeah, those are bad websites. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, so yeah, just like I said that. So um, coffee was another way of donation. Sorry, I'm kind of going out over here. What is coffee? K O F I. K O F I. It's another way to accept donations where you, people can buy you coffee, essentially. So it's a way oh, of kind okay. of allowing donations. I just want to kind of hit on it. So Patreon is good for subscription type content. Uh, coffee is a great way. If you have an open source uh, package or something, you get a lot of traffic to your website. You want to help uh, paying those bills. You can say, hey, buy me a coffee. Put the thing up there. Someone can send you five bucks. They could send you a hundred dollars. They could send you, you know, whatever. But that's just a, a nice way to kind of open up a, a donation bucket. Isn't that similar to the PayPal donate button that they used to, that you see all over the place? Like, hey, yeah, I don't see that anymore. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't know why. Is that still a thing? I mean, it used to I, be. I can't uh, believe that they would have gotten rid of it. Yeah. Why would you? I mean, it's ways yeah. for them to make some cash. Hmm. Hey, it is still a thing. Of course it all right. is. Good. <laughs> the world has not let us down. <laughs> In Venmo me. Uh, so another cool thing. Uh, so you can actually just make apps. Uh, or templates or websites. And this is one of the fun ones that if you Google like uh, coder make passive income, you'll see a lot of people saying just make apps or make templates like web templates or like front end templates. Uh, or you can even make websites and try to sell them that way. Um, that's never been something that's really appealed to me, but it, I mean, it seems to work. If you can, you know, kind of read between the lines of the stories for people, you'll see that some people are like, Oh, I sold an app and it didn't work very well. I tried to, I didn't even make the $99 back from the Apple. And you'll see other people are like, Oh, I put out one a month and, uh, they, on average, it's okay, but I've got one that's runaway. That's just fantastic. And so now I put all my energy into that. It's like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So if you can kind of blast these things out and then work with what works. I mean, if you're really, if you're, if like front end UI thing is your, your, you know, thing and you know, WordPress, you could just throw out WordPress templates. Absolutely. And just, you know, keep changing little details here and there. And, you know, yeah, pump those. Each one's a different template that you can sell at a different price. Yep. Right. These are all things like if you want it while you're watching a movie or something like that and you're, you've got the, in your arsenal. And you've got, you know, the first one's probably going to be rough, second, third, maybe. By the time you've done, uh, you know, the 100th, then it might not take you long to crank that out. And, you know, who knows what kind of income you can get from that. But uh, and if you can, can put your good. own crypto miner in it, then, you know, like, that's, that's right. just another way. It's <laughs> passive income right that's there. That's truly right? passive. Yeah, yeah. See how that works? Like, so good. And so games is in there, too. Games is a... Uh, uh, the problem, the problem with that, that thing, uh, particularly with the apps is like, you can put a lot of time into an app and not get the money back. So you could spend easily a thousand hours making a game that nobody plays because there's AAA companies like Call of Duty or, you know, Activision, or whatever, like 
pumping out games too every week, every day, every hour, and you're competing against all those. So that's that's rough. So it's like it's hard to get a get into that space without spending a lot of time. Plus, all so, the time you're going to spend refactoring. I mean, you've talked me out yeah. of it. <laughs> Plus, it is a lot of fun though. So that's an example where if that's something you enjoy doing, then you can get kind of double bang for the buck there. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we said, like the 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 first uh, tangent that we didn't really call out. It's a tangent that I took at the start, though, uh, when you'd mentioned like uh, you know having maybe having something on the side, and I was like, yeah, but you know, you kind of want to have something on the side, right? So that you can like you know have a reason to learn, an excuse to like try new things, right? Right. Yep. So even if your app doesn't make money uh, itself, it's still an investment in you, which is making you more profitable. So yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, it goes great on the resume. Somebody um, did an so, amazing pace job there. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. I just fixed it. That was me. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so I want to talk about creating content. So, uh, we talked about, uh, of course you can also, uh, some people will tell you that you can make, uh, I don't believe them that you can make a lot of money with blogs still. Or uh, writing articles on Medium um, courses. So this is something that I've looked into a lot for uh, making courses specifically. And just for fun, I went and looked up like the, how long it takes to make a course. And, you know, courses vary, blah, blah, blah. But uh, just the first answer I found said between 25 to 500 hours. <laughs> That's a pretty good range. And I was like, wow, that is quite a, quite a range. 25 yeah. to 500 yeah. 2,500. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, somewhere in there. That's kind of like, hey, when's the guy going to get, or when, when are the people going to show up to deliver your refrigerator? Between 8 and 9, 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. But I imagine, in, in though, May. I imagine, though, that's just another one of those things, though, to where, like, um, once you get into the pattern of, like, how to do it, right? that you could just start churning those things out. So like we mentioned, you know, tweaking the little, you know, the styles here and there to like pump out a new, uh, WordPress, uh, theme. Right. But you know, like if you started creating, um, uh, courses, then I imagine it would probably be like, you know, you've got some of the mechanics down pat. Now you're just like, Oh, let me just change. Like I imagine, uh, the guys from syntax, like they probably have course creation down pat. Like, yeah. So I think, I think in fairness though, this boils down to your first one is going to be brutal, right? Your first one, because if you can create an, uh, let's say a whole app that has your back end, your front end, your middle tier, all that stuff, that's a lot of time, right? But then to build the next course, you can use all those bits from your first one to help build on it, right? So I think. I know Joe Zach, you've, you've looked into this in the past. I've also started trying to create courses and it's just, it, it feels overwhelming because to build up to get to something deliverable is a lot of work. But once you have that, it's like Outlaw said, you can, I don't even know that it's necessarily the patterns that you've gotten down pat. You've got something that you can add on to at that point to show new concepts to, you know, you can do a spin on what you've already done and say, Hey, so before we used a relational database, now we're going to add um, a search index, right? Like th- there's, there's so many things you can do once you have that base that, that is just, you got to build up to that. And that takes a lot of time. Even yeah, like, I figured, uh, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say like, even like a lot of game apps, like it doesn't even matter what, what it is like if you're trying to do JavaScript web browser based apps or you're trying to do like iOS or Android 
apps or if you're trying to do both, you know, like maybe you want to use a, um, a Xamarin and, and have it on both. Like once you, once you get some of the mechanics down of like how you want things to work, then, you know, changing out the, the actual content itself becomes, you know, it's not less it like, it actually allows you to focus more on that instead of the mechanics part of it. Right. Cause you know, you start to get the mechanics of like how to create the course or how to create the game or how to create the book or the whatever. Yeah. So, um, when I was looking uh, really seriously at, uh, working on a course there for a while, I did some kind of napkin map based on some videos. I tried to kind of prototype and I got my process down to where I figured it was, if I really focus and <laughs> did a lot of upfront work and planning, uh, I could get it down to about an hour per minute. So if I was going for a three hour course, I was looking at 180 hours roughly. And it turned out like the way I was working, it like averaged out pretty evenly. That's and, brutal. uh, yeah, it's brutal. That's terrible. And, but then we, uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say who they are, but we like, we, we've got some friends that we've talked to. We've talked to a lot of people that have done courses and we're doing some research. And sometimes they would say, yeah, that's exactly how long it takes me. Uh, you know, it stinks, but it's worth it. And we talked to other people who are like, no, I just hit record and go. Right. And, they it works out perfectly for them and everyone's really happy. You can go watch your stuff and it's fantastic. And so I think a lot of it's kind of figuring out a good workflow for you. I will say though, like uh, some of the people that I looked at on Udemy, um, they kind of get into a niche like uh, Java. Like uh, you are, you want to go for make you want to make a Java course. It doesn't make sense to do your next course on C sharp. It makes sense for you to dive deeper drill. And so you become like the Java person. Right. on Udemy. And so you'll look at one of these people, go look at like the top course for like Java on Udemy, click on the person's name. You'll see they have like 30 courses on Java and a lot of them are very similar, but it's almost like they're going after different markets at that point. Mm-hmm. And they'll maybe lead up to some grand master course. That's like really expensive, but they'll have all these cheap ones that are almost like advertisements for the bigger ones. So they'll focus on authentication or dependency injection or dependency injection with this tool or that tool. And they'll do multiple courses that are really very similar. And they know that people aren't going to go and buy all of them, but maybe they'll buy a couple of them and then buy the master one, or maybe, you know, it's just enough from those little ones. So, so that's kind of a tough pill to swallow for me. Yeah. We'll just wait to see, uh, Joe's course on Kotlin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know enough about it, but yeah, I kind of like, uh, I was looking really hard at making courses for elastic and uh, I, I wish I'd continued now that life got busy and stuff. But uh, if what I was like basically researching was like, I can't make one course on Elasticsearch and have it be worth the time investment. I have to make like 12 courses on Elasticsearch and I have to keep it updated for versions and I have to compete with these other people as to do the marketing stuff. Like it's just a lot of work. And it's kind of like for me, the way I thought it was like, it's not just the work to do one course. It's like, just like you said, like I've got to keep this ball rolling for another and for it to be worth it. But you can look at um, platforms like Gumroad is a good example. Uh, Egghead. Uh, there are places that really focus on smarter, uh, smaller, shorter term educative will now let you do um, they'll, they're soliciting for authors uh, in some, in some cases. So these are cases where you can kind of go after something a little bit smaller and, and bite something off. That's uh, a little bit more manageable and see how it goes. Um, but it's, it's definitely something you can go after. If you need money next week, not a great option though. No, no, not at all. And, and just also, we mentioned Udemy. There's, there's several big ones out there, right? Like Udemy is probably one of the most popular platforms and sort of the Amazon of, of learning, right? For being able to buy stuff. Um, you got Pluralsight, you got LinkedIn learning. There, there's a bunch of them out there. Coursera. Coursera. The big thing here is they 
all have different ways of paying for the content, right? So, I mean, we, we know some people that have published some, some plural site courses and in some cases you can get paid up front, kind of like an author for writing a book, right? But then you're not really going to get any recurring revenue. If you think that you have a course idea that's going to be amazing, you could not take the upfront money and then take royalties over time. Um, if you do Udemy, you're kind of hamstrung by their sales tactics, right? Like you, you can't be something. the only one not on sale. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? Like you could create something you're like, oh, this is absolutely worth 50 bucks. Right. But, but if Udemy decides to have a sale, you're just probably going on sale for $11 too. Otherwise you're not going to sell anything and everybody else is going to. So just know that there's a ton of platforms out there to do this, but you also have the option of doing it on your own, right? Like if you wanted to do, if you wanted to do your own courses and host it yourself, the benefit to going with Udemy is it is like the Amazon, right? There's thousands and thousands of people on that platform. If you go it yourself, you can make a lot more money per sale, but you might not get as many sales. So if you want to do something like teachable.com to where you host your own learning materials, you could probably do really well. You can sell it for the full 50 bucks every single time, but instead of having, you know, a hundred thousand um, potential customers, you've got, you know, 500. So it, it's, you know, it's all a trade off, but there are people that are successful at both. Right. So, you know, know that you, you can't necessarily make a wrong choice. If you have a passion to do this, get started and do it, pick a platform and move, move on it. Right. And and you can always adjust later. Yeah. Um, so just like you said with the platform too, you can go into self publishing where you get a lot more freedom, bigger percentage, but you gotta, you gotta bring the audience. And yeah, those the, the sales are brutal. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many courses I bought that were $179, but I mean, I got them for 15. Right. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I don't think I've ever paid more than 15 bucks for a course on Udemy. And, yeah. and most of them have a regular price of $99.99 or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always the deal, right? Yeah, exactly. There's a oh, huge hey, metagame too where you're giving out free courses in order to kind of get reviews, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, and that's another thing to know too. If you're buying stuff on Udemy, wait for a sale. <laughs> Don't pay full price. There'll be a sale within two weeks. Just, just hold off. You know, um, so those, uh, those, we, you know, we talked a lot about courses there, but, um, uh, book publishers like O'Reilly, uh, Pact and Manning, they also do videos and stuff courses too, but, uh, you can absolutely be an author for them. You can approach them. They have ways for you to contact. So if you want to write an O'Reilly book, there's probably some form you just Google, like become O'Reilly author and, uh, find out how to kind of submit your idea and they'll work with a publisher they're not the kind of company typically that you would bring a book that's finished. And uh, most of these companies aren't and then expect them to publish it. They're going to want to work with you on the topic and you know, wh- whatever uh, it's. So um, it's not like how I always at least imagine fiction stuff where we kind of write the scary book and then <laughs> send it off to people and then maybe someone buys it. Um, I can't imagine that even working, you know, doesn't seem like if you're a publishing company, you would get just like dozens of novels a day. And it's like, I'm not going to, read dozens of novels a day. So you better have a good press kit. Maybe. Well, I imagine part of it too, especially in like the technical space, like you could go to that company like, Hey, I'm, I'm working on this book for this particular topic. And they might say like, Oh, we're not interested in that topic. We already have like a dozen in that. Yeah. So you, you know, if you were going to do the, the book publishing route, you'd probably want to like make sure that, you know, that's not already covered by that publisher before you even wasted your time. 
And that's where some of that, like, hey, we don't want that topic, but we might be willing to work with you on another book. Like, send us a sample of your writing and maybe we can, like, work on another topic. Yeah. Right. And can even be, we've got that book coming out. We've got a similar book coming out in three months. It, that's that's another big thing too. You don't have to go through a publisher nowadays, right? Like if if you want to write a book and and it's you know something technical oriented, whatever, you can self publish on Amazon or something like that, right? So there are other options than having to go to publishers as well. Yeah, I kind of I think I would go. I like we know Swix uh, did a great job with. Uh, he wrote a book recently, uh, self published, did fantastic with it. Um, I'd be worried about, uh, I mean, this is my own anxiety, but like if I self published like one or two books and they just nobody bought them and having that on my resume and like people are like, Oh, this guy's a, this guy's a goon. <laughs> like, his books has got zero views, zero purchases. Like, Ew. but, uh, I would probably just not put that on my resume. I mean, pen name. There we go. <laughs> Michael outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miguel Bandito. <laughs> oh, well played, sir. Well played. Oh, so here's a fun one. Uh, you can automate arbitrage. So, um, yeah, you know, this is one of those things. So currency is a good example where like sometimes you can find a way to buy, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Money's like the French Lira and, uh, sell it to on another money exchange for uh, more than you bought it for. So maybe buy it for 1.16 per dollar and you go sell it for 1.23 per dollar and you get to pocket the difference. Um, it, an easier example there is video cards. You know you can sell a video card for two thousand bucks on eBay, and you saw it at Micro Center for seven hundred. You can buy that thing and go ship it. Now we're we're getting back into active, uh, you know. So f- remember these categories are kind of kind of funky because uh, as we've seen before, and there's been a lot of frustration with like things like PlayStation's coming out this year, video cards, Nintendo Switch for a while. People set up bot networks and bots that go buy this stuff and then find a way to to automate the shipping either they send it directly to amazon fulfillment and just have it shipped out of there they you know they figure out ways of kind of automating the whole process and so i'm calling that basically arbitrage okay so you're advocating creating bots to to do this you're no i hate that i hate that you're wanting more people to create bot. i got it i got it when ebay was new like there was this website called ebay that you go and bid on stuff (laughs) and within minutes it was flooded with bots that would like buy stuff at the last second they wouldn't even they wouldn't bid items up they would just wait to the very last second it was all about who had the fastest bot to buy the item for cheapest and it It still exists right yeah and then everyone had to go buy bots because next thing they know ebay started selling bots it's like hey you can use our our snipe (laughs) program or or you can pay for ebay premium so We'll try to snipe against these other snipers for it. The whole thing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I added a few in here towards the end is a, a great way to get passive income is grow an audience, right? Like, so that's what we did. Now, there are many ways to do it. You could do it with a podcast. You could do it with a blog. You could do it with, you know, whatever. You can do it with Twitch, YouTube, all kinds of things. But then you might be like, well, well, does that actually make any money? Right? Like if, if I go grow an audience, how, how am I going to, how am I going to make money off that thing? And we've already talked about a lot of it. Affiliate links is one way. Um, Google AdSense. If you've got a YouTube channel, um, you can make money off that. If you've got Twitch or something like that, people can, can, can pay you there. Like there are tons of ways, but the key is. You know, back when we started this podcast, when, when we were brand new, sponsors wouldn't talk to us at all. Right. Like, I mean, um, you've got, you've got a hundred listeners. <laughs> like, what's that worth to a company? If you grow an audience, 
we do this, you know, God, I don't know <laughs> how long we spend recording 12 hours a day. Um, but <laughs> you were about to say something. I, I saw it. I'll let you finish this thought. So here's the deal. Grow an audience. We did it organically. We didn't do any paid, you know, try and get people subscribing to the podcast. Like we That's never we had wrong. Oh, I think, you know, the, in, in retrospect, we, I think that we could have accelerated audience growth. Um, but we, we did okay. But once you actually start growing an audience, there's a couple things that happen. One, people are willing to pay you for sponsorships and stuff because you can get the message in front of people, right? And that's driving sales on their side. You know, Datadog, one of our sponsors that we've had for years that we love and we don't, we absolutely love letting them sponsor our show because people get value out of it, right? Like we've never let anybody sponsor us that, that we don't think somebody's going to get value from. Um, but that happened because we grew the audience on top of that. Same thing with YouTube, right? Like we, we put up YouTube videos. We've probably got a hundred or more YouTube videos now. Um, and we make a little bit of money off that, not a ton, enough to pay our bills for the hosting and all that kind of stuff every month. So, so as you grow the audience, you also hopefully are growing trust and a relationship <coughs> with your audience. And that allows you to make money in different ways. You know, we have a mailing list and, and we've told you that we're, we're never going to, um, like give your information away and that kind of stuff. But a lot of, uh, like we have a decent number of people on our mailing list. If we decided to create a course and we wanted to give a discount, right? Like let's say that we did create a $50 course. We could potentially say, Hey, mailing list, you guys are our coding blocks audience. You know, Hey, we want to give you guys a discount. If you want to buy it for 10 bucks, you know, this thing's going to be, you know, 50 bucks regularly. You get first dibs. Guess what? Then you guys get a huge discount and then we could also make money off the efforts that we do. So there's, if you grow an audience, there are all kinds of ways to make money off of it. A lot of them are passive, right? A lot of them are, you know, Hey, sponsors are coming because we have an audience or YouTube people are coming because we have content that people want to watch. Um, here's the key though. And this is where most people fail with this kind of stuff. It's not a short game, right? Like <laughs> if, if you think you're going to go on YouTube and make, uh, um, $10,000 in the next month and you've never been on there, good luck. Right. Um, same thing with the podcast. Like we've been doing this for eight years and this was a slow thing, right? Like, I mean, I remember when we first saw what, what was the, the number that we got excited about? We had 60 100. people download or a hundred people download. Yeah, we were like, yeah. Oh, paper stats if we get a hundred downloads, right? And, and that's what happened, right? Like we got a hundred downloads. We were like, oh, we got to start paying for stats, right? So it, like it's week two. It, it was it was mind blowing, but it's a long game. They they call it the long tail, right? Like if you think that you're going to get into a market and you're going to create an audience and you're going to make a million bucks in a year, unless you got some heavy advertising dollars behind you, that's probably not going to happen. But this is why, okay, I mean, I was going to save this for the end of the passive section, but, you know, you're, you're forcing my hand here, Alan. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, I, you know, I got to blame you. Um, this is why I was, I still don't, I, I think that Coding Blocks is kind of a hybrid. Like, yeah, there's some passive parts about it, 
but there's also some very active parts that, that are, that do take our time. So, you know, you mentioned like, yeah, Hey, we might like throw a, a, a video out on YouTube and, you know, we get some ad revenue from Google from that. Okay, sure. Fine. Once that thing is created, you took the one-time hit to create that keyboard review, and then you never had to create that particular keyboard review again. And sure, you, you know, you could keep making ad revenue on it as long as that video remains relevant. But, you know, the, the, every episode that, you know, the production that goes behind every episode, just the planning of the episodes, the editing the of the, you know, the, there's the audio, the show notes, uh, you know, and then growing that audience that goes back to what I was talking about before, where you're like, whatever your brand is, you know, uh, trying to like that, that type of hustle, like, and we don't even, like you were saying, like, we've just let it grow very organically, but there are people who are like, you know, the, the, the Kings and Queens of social media that are like working those brands and constantly like, you know, making that brand a thing to where like they are super monetizing it. Right. But that whole thing of growing your audience, that is effort. That is, that is active. That is not passive. Totally. But those videos that we do put up there, right? Like the keyboard reviews, right? Like I put up the, the Kinesis review. I don't know how much money we've made off affiliate links off that. I mean, so to be clear, I don't want anybody to think that we're like, you know, money hoarders or anything, but, but like we wanted to do the keyboard reviews because it would help people. And on the, and on the same token, Hey, if we can make a little bit of cash um, on making this, then then we'll put it up there. We're straight. We're, we're up front, right? Like there's going to be an affiliate link in here. If you want to buy this keyboard or you plan on buying it and this helped you out, please click the link. It doesn't cost you any more, but it'll give us a buck, right? Like, and that's, that's kind of how you do it. But the cool part is like the Kinesis review that I did. I haven't looked at this thing in a few weeks now. Um, I published this uh, January. So it's been what four months ago now, January 21st. It has 8,000 views now. Like that's passive, right? I put it up there. I, I respond to comments when people ask questions and stuff, but that thing's done. I put my <laughs> 20 hours or whatever I put into making that review. And if somebody buys it today and they click that link, then we'll make two or three bucks today. And and I didn't touch it again. Right. So agreed there's work that goes into it. I mean, if, if you've ever done a video, um, you know, Joe Zach has, I have, it, he's not far off, right? Like for every minute of video, if this is a 15 minute review or a 20 minute review, I can promise you, you can measure those in half hour increments in terms of how many minutes cost me, how many 30 minutes of production or whatever. But so there's work that goes into it. It's not for free. But if you grow that, like the whole idea is like, we don't, we don't have a massive YouTube following right now. I think it's like 5,000 people. Right. But there's at some point where somebody or some group of people is going to find it and you'll see the snowball effect. Right. And when you start seeing this hockey stick growth on something, then your efforts of the past start magnifying and that's where things happen. Right. So so I say all that not to tell you to go start a podcast or start a YouTube channel or whatever, but if you will build a relationship with an audience, 
that is a great way to start building some path, passive income, right? So, um, I think you're just kind of convincing me though, that there is no such thing as passive income. Like I'm the more and more we go down, I started this, I started this episode thinking like there was a such thing as passive income. And now I'm thinking, nope, every form of income is active. It's just where you're spending your time or how does it scale? That's the big difference to me. You can make if like none of us are going to be the, the, uh, I, I can't even remember the most popular people on YouTube, but like Mr. Beast or whatever. Like we're not that, right? But the thing is, if you do create a following or whatever, yeah, you're still putting work in. We're still putting, we're still creating the podcast. But we create the podcast because we like to share information with people, right? The side benefit is we also can earn a little bit of money so that we can do things like give away books and, and do all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but I, I would say the same thing with the stock market, right? While it's passive, you're not working for every dollar you're earning there, but you are keeping an eye on it. You're, you're having to invest more money. You're having to pick the stocks. You're having to do all that kind of stuff. So I agree. Nothing's 100% passive. Very little in life is, but there's not a ceiling on the passive things, which is to me the most attractive part of it, right? Like if you put in the work, you can be making a thousand dollars while you sleep, as opposed to if you're going in and trading your hours for time at work, you know, for you to make that thousand dollars at a hundred bucks an hour, you got to work 10 hours. Right. So, um, that's where the scaling of it is different for me. Um, but I did want to throw out a couple other ideas because these are things that I've seen over the years that I haven't done, but here's another way to create passive income because you might be thinking, well, I don't have time to write a whole app. I don't have time to create something that's got a database and an elastic search and a, and a front end and all that. You don't have to. Um, there are tons of platforms out there where you can make money for writing little plugins. So an example that came up recently that I was like, man, I should totally do something like this. Um, you know, we had those past couple episodes where we were talking about the agile process, right? And scrum, um, uh, what do we call it? Story point poker is one of the things you'd be surprised. There are plugins for platforms like Jira, um, to where you can pay X amount a month for X number of users to be able to use the story pointing thing. Right? So you can write a plugin that fills a need and people can subscribe via the Atlassian platform and you can make money off of it because somebody wants to be able to do story point poker, right? Um, there's tons of platforms out there. Shopify is one. If you want to do drop shipping, they have a plugin. You can pay, I don't know, 20 bucks a month to be able to use the Shopify, the Shopify, um, dropship plugin. Uh, Visual Studio has tons of them. One of the ones that we paid for that was by Microsoft was the NuGet package management stuff, right? Like the, the ability to do that kind of stuff. Um, WordPress. I, well, I don't know if you've speaking, heard of it. Specifically about the Microsoft one, though, you're talking about um, specifically to Azure DevOps, right? Azure like DevOps, yeah. Specific to Azure DevOps. Okay. Yep. Um, it, WordPress, you might have heard of it. it. It only powers a third of the internet. Uh, they have More than that. plugins like crazy, themes like we mentioned earlier. Uh, if you wanted a calendar, Maybe you have a, a premium calendar that you sell. There's poll plugins. There's all kinds of plugins. Uh, Jira, I mentioned Salesforce, salesforce.com, another company you might have heard of that makes a little bit of money 
You can write plugins for that that people are using for their CRM tools. So you don't have to write an entire massive system. You can find something that fills that niche that that somebody is currently using external tools for that isn't integrated well and turn it into something to where people pay a couple bucks a month for it. And before long, you start making money. You ever heard of LastPass? You remember when it was a dollar a month? How many tens of thousands of people started paying a buck a month and now it's $3 a month. They tripled the revenue and most of us aren't getting rid of it because it's like, ah, it's still only three bucks a month. You know, they, they, they tripled the price and they're probably making bank off of it. So there are ways to do this to where you don't have to just spend your entire life trying to make these things. If you make a if you make a plugin that will let uh, let us invite people to the Slack from, uh, <laughs> a form, uh, the guy who did that that we've been using for years uh, went MIA and they changed the API. And so, uh. that's funny. Oh, uh, there was one other thing. So a lot of people get lost. Like they're like, man, I I, I really want to create something, but I have no idea what to create. Right? They they get lost in this world of, well, I don't know what to make, dude. Go to the forums. Like I just mentioned a bunch of these Shopify, Visual Studio, WordPress, Jira, Salesforce. Look where people are asking questions. Like, Hey, how do I drop ship something from spot or from, from Shopify? Right. Oh, well, you can do this, this, this and this. And, and you can find a way where it's like, wait, this is something that's difficult for people to do right now. They have to jump through hoops. It's a prime example of where you can look at it and be like, Oh, I can fill this niche, right? I can, I can create this, this fix for this gap. So forums, uh, Reddit forums, whatever are a great place to go find where people are, are struggling to make things happen. Fill that gap as a software developer. That's what we do. We solve problems for people. So that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, a quick, a quick couple notes on how you can find these passive income streams. I mean, it matters a ton which income streams you're going after and what platforms you're on. Like, if you're going after Udemy, they've got really great search tools that you can search for keywords and stuff to figure out what courses there are, what people are looking for. Uh, if you're looking for a website, uh, the Google has the keyword planner. And that's really helpful for general type stuff because it shows you what people are kind of searching for in Google. And that kind of applies almost across platforms. But of course, if uh, a platform specifically has information that you can use, like Udemy, uh, for the platform that shows what people are spending money on, for example, they'll actually give you a little star rating to like let you know what's profitable, then everybody wins. So that's really good. Uh, I've got a quote here that I really like. Uh, Don't fall in love with your monkey. <laughs> this is what? from a podcast I talk about all the time where um uh like a scientist f- kind of fell in love with his little monkey that he was doing some uh, some testing with and the monkey ended up just ruling the relationship and the guy was just constantly giving it fruit juice so anyways I'm telling this story terribly but it uh, I the quote always stuck uh, stuck with me that you cannot fall in love with the things that you work on because they will end up owning you and so I, uh, I like to say, don't buy the domain for your idea, for your idea yet. Don't fall in love with your monkey. Put it out there, test it, find some customers, do that before you start investing too much money or time in it. Because it's so easy to build, 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 build and realize that you didn't have a market or that you misunderstood the market. 
Uh, and so it just kind of ties in the kind of stuff. Um, we'll have a link to the lean startup book, which kind of goes into all that sort of stuff. But, um, it's kind of really emphasizes like, do your research. Don't assume that you know what people want. If I had a dollar for every time someone, uh, I heard someone making about like a Dungeons and Dragons tool. That's not to say that there's not a lot of fun and is amazing, but it's hard to make a business there because a lot of programmers like Dungeons and Dragons. And so they make their tools and stuff. So it's all great stuff, but if you're trying to make a living off of it, then buckle up. You got some competition, so you need to know what the competition is, what they're doing, what people don't like about those platforms, what they like about those platforms. That's all the work you have to do to, before you even really start to go build uh, based on what you want, because you're not building the product for you ultimately. If you're trying to make money, you're building the product for your customers. And there's a there's a difference that you can build things for you. There's nothing wrong with building personal projects that you want to build because you just want to make them. That's very different from trying to make money, unfortunately, in most cases. Yeah. And uh, well, another thing uh, I picked up from Pat Flynn, which we'll have a, a, a link to that in the, the resources too. So Pat Flynn is a, does a podcast called Smart Passive Income. He does a lot of other things too. And he's uh, if you do any sort of searching on passive income, you're going to see him come up a lot. But uh, one thing he likes to say a lot is that if you can't find anyone doing your idea, it's probably a bad idea. And it's kind of counterintuitive. You you almost kind of think like you want to find some new novel thing that nobody else is doing. But chances are it's a big world. If nobody is doing anything like what you're doing, it's probably because it's a terrible idea. There's no market for it. Or maybe there's something that makes it really difficult to do correctly. Uh it, you know, it's worth thinking about. So he says to try and basically find something, uh, communities that are underserved, not communities that don't exist. Cause it's hard to make a community out of nothing. That is so counter. Cause like we always think about things from the invention point of view. And mm-hmm. so you're always like wanting to create something that's never been created. But yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean, it makes sense. Like, Ford, Henry Ford didn't create the first car, right? Right. Like he just was better at making them period at making them faster. So, and that's what I've always struggled with. Like, you know, I made the joke about the Instagram app at the, at the start, you know, or earlier, but like, I'll come, I'll have an idea for an app and then I'll be like, Oh, well, somebody else has already done it. So I'm not going to bother to like, why are you? Cause my immediate thought was like, why would I waste my time? It already exists. Like I'll just go use that thing and be done. Like, right. I don't need to, I don't need to write every piece of software I use myself. Right. Well, that's kind of part of what I say. Don't fall in love with your monkey. What I mean, part of that is that, um, like whoever did invent the first car, they didn't set out to invent a car. They set out to invent a better way to get from point A to point B. And a car was happened to be the vehicle literally for it. So, uh, same thing with your, your app ideas or whatever. You aren't trying to build the thing that you're kind of writing down. You're trying to solve a problem. Right. So you need to fall in love with, or go after that problem, not find, not design a product and then go after the product. So that reminds me, and I, I got to share it because it's been in the back of my head the whole time and I've been waiting for the right point to, to put this out there. This ain't so th- this, <laughs> this, this whole notion of don't go build the thing and then try and sell it. Right. There was a podcast I listened to years ago. and I cannot remember the name of it, but they had a pretty novel idea is go talk to businesses in your area and find out what problems they face. 
on a daily business, right? So I don't know, maybe pick dentist office. Just, just as an example, you go into a dentist office, Hey, you know, what, what's the biggest problem that you deal with every day in terms of, you know, just whatever it is, get their feedback, talk to 10 different dentist office, and you might find out that it's people canceling or not showing up to appointments, right? Okay. How can I solve that problem? How can I help solve that problem? Um, maybe you can't, but maybe you can come up with some ideas like, um, you know, people might not have put the the thing in their phone. They did. They didn't remember to put the appointment in there. So maybe create an application that will text message them and email them uh, two days before and then a day before. Right? Like, come up with a solution that might be able to happen. So, so what you can do is if you reverse it that way, instead of going and writing software that you think people will need or want, go find out what the problems are. You can actually sell subscriptions to that. Before you even build it, like, hey, I want to build this thing. You know, I I plan on charging 150 bucks a month for the software, but if you'll get in on the ground floor and help me get this thing going, I'll give it to you for fifty dollars a month for life, right? And and that whole notion of reversing it, then you get buy-in because those people are going to help you develop this product that is solving their problem, right? Because to them, it's way more valuable to spend fifty dollars a month to try and get people to actually show up to the office to pay their hundred dollar bill that they're going to do than it would be for them to keep missing those appointments. So it's, it's a, it's a way of reversing that thinking. Yeah. I like that too. Uh, it's a great way to sell it too. Cause you don't want to go to the doctor's office or dentist's office and say, Hey, I've got an app that, and I want money. But if you can go to the doctor's office and say, I can cut your, uh, your no show rate by 25% and it costs 50 bucks a month. Right. Like that's compelling. That's good. Right. It's like, wait, but don't, do I have to integrate anything? I don't want to change my employees. I don't, I don't want to do anything like, no, and it integrates with whatever system you've already got. And you can take the conversation from there, but that is such a better sale because you're addressing the problem, not the product. Yeah. You're not trying to force a solution to something that they don't even have a problem for down the throat, right? You're trying to help them solve a business need. And that's huge. Nobody wants another product, right? right? I don't want another website that I'm going to have to remember. I'm going to have to create a login for. I'm going to get stupid emails for. I got to verify the text. I don't want, nobody wants that. We want things that make things better or easier. Yep. Uh, oh, I want to mention too, uh, YouTube Buddy is a, a good tool for YouTube that I never use, but I should. But it helps you find <laughs> out like what, what people search for and stuff. But honestly, you, just your analytics too. If you look at once you get something published, which publishing is like paramount, get something out there first and see how people react to it. You can tell so much if you just are smart about looking at what you've got, how people find you, what they're, what they're interacting with. Uh, so a couple of quick ideas, just if you're thinking about going uh, passive income, you really need to ask yourself how much uh, upfront effort investment you're willing to put in realistically. So if you say two hours a week, it's not a course, or at least it's not a traditional three-hour course. Uh, it might be a blog. It might be um, some sort of affiliate, something or other. Maybe it's a content website. Maybe it's arbitrage, you know, something like that. Um, but uh, if this is your first attempt, or if you've tried several times in the past and not have much success, go smaller, change, do something different. Uh, how much maintenance can you afford? That's something too. Like um, when, whenever people talk about starting a new podcast, and I absolutely think you should because it's amazing. I love it. Um, but one thing I like, kind of like to run people is just like, you don't do a podcast for six months or you don't do a podcast for three months. It doesn't really work like that. You've got to think like you're going to be doing this for, you know, like, are you willing to keep up with this for years? 
And if the answer is no, you know, you just kind of had the season of a TV show or something you want to start with, uh, then that's something worth thinking about. Now, obviously, you know, there are exceptions like some people have done really very well with those kind of seasonal type shows, whatever, but, um, it's, it's an ongoing thing, you know, uh, how much will it cost you? This is a big question because a lot of times, um, people will go buy uh, a domain name or something. They'll go buy a hosting. They'll go buy a product that they're going to use, uh, you know, some new, uh, really expensive 3d printer or something because they're going to make something and print it out. And they never get around to actually getting the website together, the square site, and yeah, never, and, and next thing you know, they wasted $600 on stuff that they never end up using. So just remember that and just try to get started first because a lot of, a lot of times, like spending money on a thing can feel like you're being productive and moving towards that goal, but really it's just procrastination. Mm-hmm. And I, I, try, like, I am super guilty of this. I, I've already bought a, uh, spent $100 on a domain name for a website I haven't built yet recently, like days ago. But uh, don't do that. Don't don't ever do that. Um, because yeah, it's just a waste. It makes you feel bad too. But it's totally a form of procrastination. It's something that you feel excited about and it's fun. It makes you feel like you're moving forward on the project. But it's really not. It's like tricking your your dopamine receptors. It's interesting because I never I never thought about it as a form of procrastination. But then when you said it, I'm like, you're totally totally right. Like that's it's the yeah. absolutely easy stuff. it. Yeah, like, yeah, it's the- like. Instead, the hard thing would to do would be to like, like, let's say it was a website, focus on the website example that you gave, you know, like actually start iterating on the code for that thing. Cause you don't, you could develop that locally. You don't have to have any investment on that to start on that. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, exercise is another big one. And like the, all the, the major like sports companies totally 100% know this. They're like, Hey, the ads they'll show you are like, hey, look at this person uh, swimming at the beach or surfing or mountain biking or something. Like, look how much fun that is. That's amazing. And they're showing this to you at 11 o'clock at night because you're not going to go out jogging right now. But you may buy some shoes for jogging, right? Because it feels like you're moving the ball forward. When those shoes get here, you're going to be a new person. You're going to go out and do this. But it's a way of kind of like feeling like you got that fresh start and you're like turning onto a healthier lifestyle. But really, you just kind of like fell into the trap of them selling you some product for something that you're not actually doing yet. And so it's, it's sad, um, but that they absolutely try to kind of tap into that. And like, I, that's another one of those things I've done a million times where like, I'm going to build a home gym. Let me start looking at weights and stuff. And next thing you know, it's like six months later and I'm still like kind of trying to figure out which like, uh, I don't know, rowing machine to buy or whatever. And like, if I just started working out. Yeah. And you, you didn't even need a rowing years. machine, right? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. But it feels productive, doesn't it? You it know, does. like, and it's fun. I took that step, right? Yep. That's, that's a, yeah, I bought that domain name. I bought that machine. But you got to do something with the domain name. You got to do something with that machine. And that's where, that's where the procrastination comes in. Yeah. A lot of times uh, people will actually advise you not to tell people about your ideas too. So if you've got a great business idea. Don't tell anyone because you kind of get some of the reward just from telling someone what you plan on doing. Like, oh, I'm going to have this business. I'm going to do it. I'm going to create this thing. And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. Good luck. You kind of feel like good. Like, yeah, man, I'm doing it. And, you know, even if it's only one or 2%, but you did 0% of the effort. Right. So you're still getting your brains getting that kind of that reward. You feel good. They feel like you did something, but you didn't. So it's, it's kind of a trap where it's like, don't like force yourself to kind of hold back until you have something to show. I kind of like it. <laughs> I had this idea as you were saying, like, you know, I was like, for a, for a site, and I'm like, 
I kind of just want to go ahead and buy that domain right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, and, and the site would be like super simple to create. I already got it in my mind exactly how it would work. And I'm like, yep. oh, yeah, it's just way too much effort. But <laughs> I, do you want to hear this awesome idea? I do. Amiprocrastinating.com. <laughs> It'd be a hard-coded HTML page. They would just say yes. Yes. Right. Put it out on Netlify or something. You know, it'd be super <laughs> yeah. simple to do. It to just true. And I'm like, yeah, it's too much, too much yeah, work. It's too much. I can't put that white yes HTML. <laughs> and I Googled because I'm like, oh, surely somebody like this already exists, right? Like, you know, I could just go to theirs. But there wasn't. So, you know, hey, I'm just throwing the idea out there. <laughs> It'll be bought within the next two weeks. Yeah, the registrars are on this. They know this. They're like, you know what? People have been squatting. So tell you what we're going to do. Oh, my God. Is if I we recognize wrong. English is, words. Oh, my God. I'm so wrong. There totally is an amiprocrastinating.com. And the answer is yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you got awesome. to click on it. You got to click on it. Right. <laughs> uh, they just need to work on their SEO. Because if you don't separate, the, if you if you put spaces in between the words, then it doesn't come up. Um, yep. That's funny. That is hilarious. Yes, you probably are. And there's ads on it. So that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was going to say, so yeah. Uh, so just be careful of that basically. Um, also want to mention too, if you are, this is probably a minor thing, but if you are looking at getting into passive income and you're just kind of dabbling with a little bit on the side, it's just got to know that like there may be some tax implications. So if you go and you make $11 uh, in ad revenue, uh, this year because you spent four hours on, you know, some weekend setting it up. Uh, technically you're supposed to report that on your taxes in the U S and it's just kind of a pain. So it's kind of like the, it's worth considering like there is such a thing as too little. So right. it might be worth getting that site going before you even put the ads up because if you only make a couple hundred dollars in a year, it may not be worth the, having to hire an accountant to deal with your stuff. So if you're doing like arbitrage or buying or selling of stocks or whatever. Hey, there is an inverse problem with this too, though, because when I saw taxes, I was like, oh, we need to add this other bullet point. Bookkeeping. Bookkeeping mm-hmm. can be a pain. If you've got a ton of different channels where you do have passive income coming in, uh, you, you kind of got to keep track of it, right? Like if you got Amazon affiliates, Google affiliates, or Google links. Oh, doggone it. That reminds me. There was one other thing. So we talked about affiliates. We we talked about Amazon affiliates, right? Typically, you make a couple percent per something that somebody buys. There are other affiliate programs out there where you make a lot more money, um, typically on something like a digital good, right? So there's a site called clickbank.com to where if let's for instance, I don't know that this exists, but we said something about a Python course earlier, right? As opposed to going to Udemy, right, where you do a course and, and you sell it for 12 bucks, if somebody put their course of Python up on, on ClickBank, it might sell for 50 bucks, right? You as an affiliate, typically in the ClickBank world, you'll get up to half of the commission of whatever the sale of that thing is, right? So instead of 2 or 3%, you can get 50%. So for every... Every sale that you push through to that Python course, assuming it existed, you get 25 bucks per sale just for recommending people to buy that course. You didn't write it. You don't have any skin in the game, 
but you referred people over there. So there are other affiliate programs out there to where you make a lot of money. But again, going back to my original point of bookkeeping, you kind of want to make sure that you have that locked down because when it is tax time, you need to be able to reconcile where all the money came from, how little or how much it was so that you can be like, okay, well, I, I made an extra $500 this year. It came from 20 different sources, but I need to now put on my taxes that I made 500 bucks. Right. So, um, yeah, I thought the limit was like 650. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's complicated. Right. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, um, which, which one of these passive income streams is most interesting to y'all? Yeah. Uh, Alan went first last time. So I'll, uh, you want to answer. <clears throat> I mean, I, I really like the affiliate link things that like, that's, that's my favorite. And then I would say second would be like ad revenue from like the YouTube videos, but it's a lot easier to make those affiliate links than it is to make those YouTube videos. <laughs> for so for sure. For me, I think uh, I'm already doing one of them. I love the whole growing an audience thing because I feel like we've gotten so much feedback over the years where people have said that we've helped them. Like, I love that. I love the feedback from what we do on this. The other thing that I think that I like a whole lot is the idea of building plugins on super popular platforms. If if you can go get some knowledge in, in Azure DevOps or, or Salesforce or something like that, the I think the level of effort to create that plugin is way lower than creating courses and doing other things. And and you can create something really valuable and make some decent income off of it, especially if the thing gets popular, right? Like I, I really like that idea. Instead of being buried in something like an app store and in Apple where you spent, you know, a thousand hours making something that nobody's gonna buy, it feels like it it, it at least feels like you're working in niche marketplaces where your visibility is going to be higher and usually working for it's going to be business people that are buying it. Right. So they're trying to fill a business need that'll save them money or make them more money. So yeah, I like those. Yeah. I like, uh, I like affiliate. Um, especially like if you have people buying stuff from your links, I feel like it's because they found those products via you and you made it easy and provided a service to them. But, uh, the one I like the most is the, like the app slash website slash template idea. Just because I like to build stuff and kind of get value from building it and learning stuff. And then if I can take it out and just publish it and get anyone using it, even if it's selling it um, or if it's just people, you know, using it and you kind of get that either the ads uh, or affiliate links either way. And either one, uh, that's I guess it's more like that's the the avenue or the mechanism I, I like to get to use to get there just because I like building stuff and I get a like a, a sense of accomplishment from publishing something. So, so something like, like something like a themeforest.net or an Envato marketplace where you create stuff and people buy it via their market. Yeah, th- that um or um I like uh like I did a, like a little color calculator site a couple of years ago that I, I really liked having around uh, and just brought in a little bit of money every year and I finally sold it. But uh, I like the idea of kind of publishing more stuff like that. That's more uh it's it's kind of in line with stuff I just build anyway just for kind of for fun. But with the money angle, it kind of encourages me to actually finish it and then keep an eye on it and. Um, keep the customer in mind because if you're just building stuff for your for yourself it's easy to just kind of walk away from it um, but if there's some sort of incentive like people are actually using it or something that kind of be encouraging to kind of keep you just 
keep you to uh, get to a better stopping point. I like that. Okay, fine. I feel like a jerk. Can I change my answer? Yep. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Only yeah. if you have another joke for us. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I can do that. All right. Um, well, I mean, I would, but I'm always happier on a Sunday, uh, because the day before was a Saturday. It was a sadder day. Yes. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, okay. You can, you can thank Joe recursion Joe for that one. Uh, how about, how about this one? We talked about storage earlier. Uh, this is, you know, I think, I think we might've said this one before, like a SQL query walks in, Walks up to two tables in a restaurant and asks, may I join you? I don't know that I've heard that yep. one. I like that one. Well, here's one I know you haven't heard Heard then. How about, um, well, you know, okay. <laughs> so uh, everybody knows that I like Git, right? So, you know, I mean, when I was first trying to learn Git, like I wanted to spend a, an hour a day learning Git, I just, but I just couldn't commit. <laughs> and the problem with Git jokes is everyone pushes their own version. Uh, that's good. Those are also from Joe Recursion Joe. He was on a ball there. Yeah, yeah those are awesome. Those yeah. are good. So uh, with that, we head into well. Before I say that, though, we'll have a bunch of resources. We like as always. Well, we should mention these. I think so. We don't usually call these out, but oh. because these are like special ones on okay. this particular episode, I think um, Joe, you've got a few in here. I have a few also. I think we should call these out. All right, sure. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, so uh, passive. I got a link here for uh, thirty-four ideas for passive uh, income for developers. I just thought that was really good. I had a really nice list. And some are, are things I never would have guessed, like chatbots. And uh, it links off to a whole article of making money with chatbots. I never would have expected that. Uh, another link here for side income for programmers. And then I'll, I'll let you take the next one. Oh, you want me to take that one? Yep. Uh, the, the, I think you one. got me listening to it. Uh, okay. So, yeah, years and years ago, um, there's there's one. He mentioned Pat, Pat Flynn earlier, the Smart Passive Income Highly recommend that podcast. I haven't listened to it in a while, um, but it is it is very good. There's another one that we like, another podcast called EO Fire. It's Entrepreneur on Fire. Uh, it's usually like one hour interviews with uh, business owners, and just if nothing else, it gets your your business juices flowing um, when you're sitting around doing other things. Um, another one, another podcast that is just fantastic is how I built this. Actually, Aztec uh, is the one who, who turned me onto this one and I love it. Another one that's, that's usually interviewing business owners and it, it's just a way to get you motivated to, to want to do some of these other things. And then there's one other one, there's a book, uh, who moved my cheese and it's a really short book. And it's fantastic just to get you out of the mindset of being being complacent in what you're doing in your job or whatever else, right? Like, like never just be totally comfortable, right? Because somebody can move your cheese and now now you can't find it. So it's a that's a really good read just to try and keep you in the mindset of you know you should always be sort of on the edge, like trying trying to to stay stay moving forward. Yep. So, uh, all of those links, plus there'll be more resources that we've referenced during the, the course of the episode that will be, uh, included in our show notes. And with that, we head on to Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. 
All right, so I've got a, a real humdinger here from Dave Fullett. Thank you, Dave. So uh, he posted a link in Slack to uh, Tips and Tools to a particular page in the Google Developer Documentation Style Guide, and it's pointing to a word list. If you click on this link, or if you uh, pop open your <laughs> your uh, podcast player and check this thing out. It is a website, uh, or this this particular page is uh, oriented around uh, technical documentation, and it's got a bunch of guidance on when to use uh, certain words, when not use word, certain words, and what you should use instead. For example, uh, you should do 3D no dash. Right? That's kind of a boring one. Uh, abnormal. Don't use that to refer to a person ever, but it is uh, okay to refer to a specific condition of a computer system. And I mean. It's huge. If you start scrolling uh, on and on and on and on. And a lot of these are really things that I would, um, you know, not have really thought too much about. Um, like I just pa- I scrolled past like America, American. And it's got like, it's like, you know, a small paragraph there about like when you should use those terms and when you shouldn't because you know, it's either inappropriate or uh, it's just wrong. And like how you would refer to something typically um, when to use app instead of application, stuff like that. I mean, you can just scroll through. And kind of hit these, like when to use the word uh, black hole or not. Um, then never use the term cellular network. Use mobile network instead. Don't use, this is their guidance, you know, but uh, don't use cellular data. Instead, use mobile data. I, I can't guess why. Maybe they're just trying to kind of push more standardization for those terms in particular. So, unfortunately, there's not always uh, explanations uh, for these things. But it's really good. Here's one. Um. Don't use, but it's the weird. Term CLI, uh huh. It's 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 totally circular though, because you look up like uh, cer- cellular data, right? Said to instead use mobile data. Am I am I thinking of this right? Cellular data says don't use. Instead, use mobile data. So then you go down to mobile data, and it says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong." It says use instead of. Never mind. Okay, nothing to gotcha. see here. <laughs> So uh, here's a fun one. Uh, use click instead of click on. So don't say click on the start button. Say click the start button. Hmm. Yeah. So click OK, not click on OK. And some of these have uh, like this one's got uh, some information on like when it's OK to use and why. Um, but it's just kind of interesting or like tap for when you're talking about mobile. But uh, what's really interesting is just how much. There is here. And I mean, pretty much any, uh, if you're writing any sort of like public facing uh, documentation or like a big readme or something that's going to be used by a lot of people, it's absolutely worth reading through this because there's things here. Uh, just some like double things that you might take for granted, like emails that capitalized is it have E dash, uh, but they've got like some pretty good arguments in this case for when to use one uh, over the other and why you should or should not use the word mail instead. So it's just really interesting, um, both for accessibility reasons and for social reasons and for clarity's sake, uh, all sorts of different reasons why you would use some terms over another. It's it's interesting. Like I found, you know, there's all kinds of interesting ones in here, but, you know, they would prefer cloud SDK, not Google cloud SDK. Huh. Yes, that's, that's going to be very specific. That's one. But yeah, but that's one that I would have thought like, well, it'd be Google Cloud SDK, right? But they're like, nope, Cloud SDK. Here you go. Don't use the word leverage. 
uh, avoid meaning it, using it if you really mean the word use. If possible, use a more precise term. For example, use, build on, or take advantage of. Huh. Too much. Okay. Well, that's pretty awesome. And uh, I'm going to have to go change my whole uh, dictionary here, my whole lexicon here. It's going right. to change. And I might find out that that's a word I shouldn't use. Um, yeah, or just sign up for Grammarly. Yeah. James got me on Grammarly now. Yeah. Who who got you on that? Uh .net core show. Yeah, Jamie. Oh, okay. Your prog man. Uh all right, so I got a couple in here for you. So, um do if you use Windows terminal, then uh have you ever found it annoying that like if you want to close say a um a PowerShell terminal, right? You could just type an exit and boom, the window goes away with it, right? But on your Ubuntu shell, for example, or, you know, tab in like, let's assume that you have multiple tabs open in the window. Have you ever noticed how sometimes it could just be annoying, like depending on how you exit, like if you log out, for example, like if you control D out of it, that it doesn't close the the tab, it'll leave the tab there. And control D is like, just burned into me. Like that's the way I like close out of a terminal, you know? So in windows terminal, if you have that habit, you can close that tab with control shift W to close it. Uh, so that's an easy one. And then we've talked about, uh, the GitHub CLI, uh, a few episodes. We talked about it in 142 and again in 155. And, uh, so I just thought like I would mention, like, you know, if you're using the GitHub CLI, you could easily, once you push your code up, you could easily create a pull request, just uh, gh space PR space create space dash dash fill, and it'll create a PR for you. And that dash dash fill comes in handy because it'll automatically, it won't prompt you for what you want the title or body or anything like that to be for the pull request. Instead, it'll just automatically use whatever the last commit message was as it, um, which, you know, depending on how you, maybe that's good enough for you, maybe it's not. But more importantly is that I'll have a link to the CLI manual that has all of the capabilities for the GitHub CLI. So all of your GH commands that you could um, uh, use. So I'll, I'll include a link to that in the tips of the week. I need to go download that thing. I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, it's so, it's so much easier, man. And especially, like, depending on your terminal, and Windows Terminal is really cool about this, to where if it recognizes a, a URL in the terminal, it's automatically clickable. So in Windows Terminal, I can, uh, you know, get push origin, whatever my uh, branch name is, and... You know, like in GitHub, for example, GitHub will automatically, as part of the server response, say like, hey, you can go here and create a pull request. And it'll have a, a link that's already set up for your uh, your branch to create that pull request, which is cool because then you click on that and boom, there you go. Or if you do the the GitHub CLI, that, like I just mentioned, get uh, ghpr create dash dash fill when it creates it, then it'll automatically, the server will respond back with, here's the URL to your PR. And now in Windows Terminal, you could click on that and then watch, like if you have any kind of um, 
branch policies that require build validations to happen in, in tests or whatever to happen before your PR is even mergeable. Like you could just go ahead and, you know, click that thing, watch it happen in the, you know, in the background. Very cool. <clears throat> All right. So I've got a handful here. Uh, my first one is based off a problem. Yeah. I always, I always have a few. The first one was based off a problem that I ran into this week that drove me absolutely crazy. So I was starting a Kotlin project because that's what, that's what I do now. And, and I was pulling in hundreds of dependencies, thousands. I don't even know. There were so many, but I kept getting this conflict. And, and if you've done any Java programming, you've seen this to where it'll be like, Hey, SLF or J is finding multiple um, loggers on the class path. You need to pick one, right? The problem is I couldn't figure out where they were coming from, right? Like I would see them get added into my dependency tree and I was like, what's referencing it? I don't know how to exclude this thing, right? There's a command if you're using Maven. Now, I don't know about Gradle or anything. I'm sure there's something like it. But there's a command you can run with Maven that is basically show me the dependency tree. So you can tell it which package or which artifact that you're trying to find out what is using it and what's calling it. And it will actually draw a tree for you on the command line showing you here's the top level package. Here's and and here's all the nested packages to get down to which one was using it. So using that command, I was able to go find and exclude the, the logger that I didn't want on my class path. So huge time savings. I, I probably spent hours trying to figure that one out. Um, Another one that was shared on our Slack channel by I, uh, I think he's shared some other ones in here before. If, if you were somebody that uses Excel like a database, you'll probably love this, <laughs> but it's source control for Excel. So, uh, the, it's the letters XL and then trail.com. And if you go there, wow, there's actually source control for Excel. Okay. Help me here. I have two questions. Okay. One, why wouldn't I just use Git? But all seriousness, uh, two, doesn't um, Excel already have like version? Doesn't like Word docs and period have like change control? Um, I think. Yeah, but is it multi-user? And right. How easy can you like? Yeah, it is multi-user. Bisect. Okay. And by the way, this I don't is know about the bisect question. By the way, this also works as a plugin for GitHub, Bitbucket, GitLab, Azure DevOps. So it's actually something that is used for interfacing with various different source control platforms. So I think I think it really does boil down to if you want other people to be able to see those versions and whatnot and store it and come back to it later. So for those people that love Excel, there you go. And then Here's the last one I want to do. And I think Jay-Z has probably shared this particular one in the past as a tip. Um, so my Kotlin project, I was doing a Spring Boot project. And the reason I want to do Spring Boot is because it does a lot of DI for you. Um, it hooks all of it up. It'll it'll do um, scanning for classes and modules and all that, right? So it does a lot of stuff for you. So there is a website you can go to called start.spring.io. And that will basically allow you to go in and pick the packages you're interested in for your Spring Boot pro- Spring Boot project. So you could say, "Hey, I I want Elasticsearch in here. I want Azure. Um, I want you know whatever else." 
And basically after you choose all the bits that you want, you hit download and it basically gives you a zip file that has a starter project in it, which is excellent. Well, that's cool. That's it's actually really nice. And if that's the only way you got to get there, then cool. Well, one of the companies that is constantly giving away software, if you subscribe to our newsletter is JetBrains. If you have IntelliJ and you go in and file new project and you choose spring, it actually uses the metadata from spring start.spring.io. And so you have all those same features there when you create that project. So you can actually go in and check all the boxes directly within IntelliJ to create that same starter project. So um, I found that out while I was messing around with it this week. So really, really cool stuff. Again, JetBrains is always making some pretty awesome uh, IDEs. So check that out. All right. Well, uh, with that, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to find your podcast if you haven't already. Uh, again, like I asked earlier, uh, if you haven't left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. You can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. Hey, and while you're up there, like this episode, especially like, like we said, we have a lot of links in there for different podcasts or different resources. If, if you're interested in making some, some extra cash on the side. So head up to codingblocks.net slash episode 158. Or if you're in your podcast player, you can probably swipe over and, and, uh, see all those links and all the show notes there. So. Uh, definitely check that out. And you, as always, you can send your questions, feedbacks, and rants to our Slack channel. And when you make that uh, million dollar app, make sure to remember uh, us little people that, uh, you know, talk to you for a little while about it. And this uh, <laughs> up on Twitter at Cutting Blocks over uh, on the website, too. We've got a bunch of links at the top of the page. <laughs>